Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. That's right, everybody. Nick said he's taking this intro and I just cut him off, so go ahead, Nick. You're good. What's going on, everybody? It's episode 90. Welcome to our weekly Monday night show. We have an awesome show planned for you. Got some great guests. Actually, one of them being in studio. Matt will introduce him. So go ahead, Matt. Yeah. So, well, we have a couple in studio. Unfortunately, Ben, intern Ben, is under the weather. Enough so that he's not here tonight. But he might be in the chat. I think he said first one to comment gets quesadillas. That's what I'm seeing in the chat right now. Nice. So that's Ben. Nice. Ben, we miss you. We hope you get better. He said something like, I haven't been sick in four years. So we hope the best for him. Let me show you. We got Evan Kearns in studio. Everybody wearing the nice Boston Red Sox hat. How's it going? And wearing, it's hard to see because it's, it's black on black. But that is a Celtic shirt. Game seven victory. How about that? Against who? was absolutely insane against the Milwaukee Bucks. I could talk about this all night. But unfortunately for tonight, we are a disc golf podcast. But dude, I could rave about the last two games of the Celtics in okay. that series. Okay. They played against the what? The Milwaukee. Yeah. Milwaukee Bucks. And we have someone in studio tonight. Welcome to the show terry miller everybody what up how are you guys doing <laughs> it is a true pleasure and honor to have terry miller in our studio he was the first terry you were the first guest on our show ever and now here we are episode 90 what have you been doing with your time largely just cashing those royalty checks you guys keep sending in it's been great uh no seriously it's of course been really crazy disc golf pro tour working with them almost every weekend this weekend not being one of them being a silver series event and if i'm not live with the disc golf pro tour i'm probably doing some kind of post-production for some other event or in the case of this upcoming weekend i'm going to be running a b tier which is something i've done uh, for decades now so this upcoming weekend when i'm not involved with the otb i'm going to be out running a b tier in southeastern wisconsin so there's there's no shortage of work in disc golf so i keep finding it well, in fact, that's awesome. The reason you're out here in Leicester was not to fly in for the Nick and Matt show. <laughs> <laughs> so Terry hit me up probably two weeks ago because that's when Steve Dodge hit him up. But that's a different story for another time. And he said, hey, Terry, would you come out as the disc golf guy and film for what Steve threw together as the Maple Hill Invitational, which was a college event for whoever he decided to invite, which included the national champions, the Mizzou Tigers. But do you remember our conversation, Nick, about Ferris State and how that whole disqualification happened? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Steve gave them an opportunity to come back and to compete against each nice. other with the team that would still not be able to compete at nationals because they had that yep. player. Yep. Guess who won at Maple Hill after three rounds? Don't tell me Ferris State. I will not tell you, Ferris State. Mizzou Tigers, congratulations. Okay. okay. So they still took it down. Yes. And that's a spoiler. Nice. I'm sorry, nice. Terry. Yeah. For your oh, man. Now, now I don't have to edit the footage. <laughs> it's already done. Perfect. Yeah. We'll just, just put this clip out there for the world. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I have not a lot of clue on this event. Do you want to give, like, a, is it just, was it, like, unsanctioned as far as college Terry disc golf sanctioning goes? That. Yeah. And originally, so it's very much an invitational, or as we said, uh, Steve wanted to invite those two teams, you know, with that particular, you know, reasoning in mind. And of course, they're just great disc golf teams. But so originally invited them. And then he was looking, I don't want to just say for warm bodies, but I mean, he was looking for anyone that was representing their college that was in the area that would make the commitment. And that's how he ultimately arrived on eight teams. 
and the teams were comprised of four competitors that were out out at any given time. So it was the eight teams. Also, there was some limitations about trying to get it all into a single day. So everything took place just yesterday. I mean, they had a welcoming dinner and they had a party and some other things that they could do on Saturday, including getting acclimated and, and see the course for the first time. But basically, they showed up. They played Sunday morning. They had a format that had them playing the the blue uh, the blue layout at Maple Hill. Then they played. They had a lunch. Then they played the diamond layout with more of a doubles format in mind. And then they went to kind of a hybrid of the two, actually, where we saw them play both singles and doubles match play events off the golds. So if you think three rounds at maple hill in a day is a good idea you're wrong but it turned out to be a phenomenal event and uh even when when i hear college kids college age kids say yeah that's a long day and a lot of golf then you know it was definitely challenging but it, it turned out to be a great event 32 competitors and clearly this might be the impetus of you know something so big and so huge as steve wanted to jump into that college scene i agree i think that dipping his toe in now was the right time you know steve he probably looked around and said there's really like one college event and there's room for so much more and then Mm -hmm. i have to believe steve thought to himself i want to give a chance for mizzou both to have a chance at saying it didn't matter about the disqualification and as well give ferris state the opportunity because of the letdown they had in that journey so i think it was a fantastic event great start to it terry I don't know how your legs felt after that <laughs> round, but I'll tell you what, I was destroyed. Yeah, certainly uh, a long day, as as you guys said, and <laughs> you guys are much more familiar with the course than I am. I saw new pins, yeah. I saw a few different tees I'm not used to seeing, and uh, plenty of challenge, a few rain sprinkles even mixed in there as well, although those were timed out pretty well. It was yeah. it was a long day out there for sure. That's right. So what was the um kind of the like what was the prize incentive for this and how did you know I it makes me curious of like do the colleges or the universities pay for travel for these players because if this is an event that can eventually gain some really big traction onto it do we start seeing more of a college disc golf tour to where teams are competing against each other at these kind of tournaments you know I'm just kind of wondering is college disc golf at that point yet rather than just one or two big tournaments a year for them do you think you we could see them playing 10 plus tournaments throughout the year will colleges or universities pay for the travel for their players so you know what's what's the incentive behind it i guess where did steve really kind of get this idea of let's bring some college disc golf tournament here I think I kind of mentioned it but what are your thoughts Terry well i i feel like he you know as uh, Matt just said he saw what was going on with the collegiate championships and thought, hey, you know, maybe even something a little bit more regional to start. So that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was very, I'll say, low budget in the sense that he mm-hmm. they invited he invited all eight teams. There was no entry fee. However, they showed up, uh, and I huge shout out to Dynamic Disc for this. Uh, they were the presenting sponsor of the event, mm-hmm. so that ultimately paid for any of the greens fees that would have been required. It, gave, it provided them the free dinner on the welcoming dinner on Saturday night. Then on Sunday, they had free lunch that was included. And uh, they played for a trophy. They ultimately got a trophy as a team. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't anything of, of, those, of that value. Oh, I should say also, they got a couple of discs and a bag tag all commemorating the event. Okay. So just for literally nice. showing up, they got a, yeah. an entire prize pack of stuff, which is pretty cool for a player pack. And, you know, it was a relatively basic trophy, um, but, of of course, they're playing for pride more than anything in this case. And you're exactly right. Like, 
some colleges, I think there was a wider range <laughs> of a wide range in terms of some colleges that showed up and were very organized, had everything. Travel is probably paid for. Some things were mm-hmm. taken care of. And I think there's other guys that are like, oh, I think we have four shirts that match. And, yeah. and, and, yeah, and yeah. it all has to start somewhere. No, I mean, we know yeah. college yeah. disc golf is at such a different level for so many different colleges, but it's only growing and getting more and more recognized. So I mm-hmm. think they're all on the right track, Nick. I, I think it's only going to get bigger. Cool. Yeah, I, I think that'd be awesome. I mean, when you look at the Leicester area, you've got – you know, Assumption College, Anna Maria, Worcester State University, WPI. I mean, you start alone. taking all of your local colleges just alone right there. I mean, you could four or five, six, yeah. seven universities all within a 30 minute range of Maple Hill. You start making every state starts kind of pulling together. I think some states could have some really, really cool college disc golf tournaments yeah. to where, you know, players aren't having to travel that much. You know, the accommodations are definitely a lot easier to go by. Um, and I think it'd be really cool just in the PDGA in general to really kind of promote that. And we'd be able to see, you know, we love watching college football. We love watching the bowl games, the national championships, college basketball. We get March madness. You know, how do we make these things kind of come into the professional disc golf world of a college disc golf tour slash college disc golf championships, rather than just the one weekend, you know, you have this big event. I don't know. There's so much I could go into it, but I do think it's a market. I do think it's a market that, would be pretty awesome to see. And then you you can almost at that point you'd find who's your favorite college. I mean, I don't know, you know, I, I live 30 minutes away from Liberty University. And so I root for the Liberty players to go out and do their best and hopefully they succeed at their tournaments slash their national championships and stuff. So Liberty is my college disc golf team that I root for. But I'm sure if, you know, Worcester State University, they used to have one back in the day, I'd be rooting for them. You know what I mean? Because it's 10 minutes away right. from my parents' house. Yeah. I think there's a great opportunity for anybody to get into college disc golf. I think it's interesting because enough players are now coming up and growing up in disc golf that it's like an mm-hmm. opportunity. It's, it is there. They can go to college and be like, Hey, there's four other people who play. So great, great job to them. Uh, that was a fun event that we filmed again, kind of brutal running around, you know, Terry is catch cam, especially you're running down the fairways up the Hills. I mean, I ran up whole, you know, 10 and all these whole, like anyways, more times than I wanted to. Yeah. And my last quick tidbit on that. First of all, of course, thank you so much, Matt. Thank you to Todd Dodge who mm-hmm. came out of retirement from filming, uh, just Gosh. showed up just to help with the event. And then uh, it, it was ultimately PDJ sanctioned. I think it was ran as an XC this year. Uh, I feel like that was also a decision that, that Steve, you know, felt was important and he implemented that, mm-hmm. albeit a little bit late, but still um, all part of the overall process. And and I think it's great to have those types of things on file and on record now permanently, uh, you know, as the PDGA continues to archive all of that stuff. So huge, huge shout out and congrats to everyone that just got to show up and participate in any way, shape or form. And thank you to everyone that really made it happen. For sure. All right, Evan the time of the show where we want to hear about the most recent event we had a silver series called the master's cup i was kind of busy on the course but i we did a little bit at least me catch something happening from the chase card in fpo but you give it to us give us the recap for the master's cup yeah so this was played uh the first two rounds at the famous de la de la viega disc golf course the third round happening at the golf course uh right next door um gannon burr uh notably takes it down his first disc golf pro tour event uh, we all know he came very very close in vegas has been having a fantastic season up until this point and then takes down his first win uh he's 17 years old new on the scene and has been doing very well for himself lately um 
On the other side, Sarah Holcomb gets the win. And as he mentioned, yeah, coming chasing down from the chase card, becoming only the second woman to win from the chase card at a major elite or silver series event. Uh, the first being Paige Pierce at 2017 GMC. Funny enough, Sarah Holcomb was leading into that round, but Sarah Holcomb takes it down. This is our third silver series win that ties Lisa Vegas for the most all time in silver series wins and FPO Ricky Wysocki being the only other one with three, um, Ella Hansen had a great tournament. She was leading up until the last round. Unfortunately, Sarah Holcomb and Katrina Allen, I believe, shot seven down on the golf yeah, course. 10, 10 rated. Yeah, yeah, they just blew it up. Uh, Ella Hansen, I'm, I'm not calling it anything, just got beat um, by some mm -hmm. fantastic rounds coming from the chase card. <clears throat> wow, a chase card victory. Uh, Terry, that's another memory I have with you is Idlewild. <laughs> you remember... Um, wasn't that eagle eagles come behind we were together filming at idol or let me put it this way your crew i think you might have been doing some commentary but you hired me and your friend i mm -hmm. think steve yep. steve and we filmed i was like this is amazing i'm filming a pro tour chase card victory there it was awesome how often do they reach out to you for that nowadays i mean is that probably one of the last or you think there might be more <laughs> yeah i yeah i certainly you don't see that happen too often and then you think about again logistically and none of us were there and involved with this particular event in this case but i think about the logistics of how many cameras where do we have them what does that mean when do you we have that conversation all the time when do you pull a camera off of some card and go after another player and then early? you get to that player yeah. and then they cool off you know exactly. and there's all these things that can kind of unfold when it's happening so pretty crazy of course it adds to the intensity in so many ways and in some ways it also you know, takes a little bit away from the final card playing the final hole if there's not a really good chance for somebody to actually win or get into that tie on that final hole. It's a little anticlimactic. Well, I don't think Sarah Hokum's caring about entertainment right now. She's uh, collected <laughs> her trophy and her check. And uh, congratulations to Sarah. It was pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, she's has the experience that was needed. And I think I just saw a recent post, like right before the show, something about like, the year that she went on to win like two elite series in worlds, she won master's cup. So <laughs> I don't know if she was trying to do oh, like dang. a foreshadowy thing here, but like, yeah. I don't know if I'd pick her, but if there is something to the fact that like, if she plays the master's cup, good. I mean, maybe there's something there, but well, her last elite series win was in 2019 at the hall of fame classic. Uh, she's gone a long time without having that elite tier win. Although, like mm -hmm. I said, she's won three silver series since then. A few other, um, decent events since like a or b tiers uh nothing else on tour she i mean she does a great job at finishing top five or on the podium you have to wonder at an elite event can she take away the victory but this was a very good field i mean you didn't have krishna tatar you didn't have Paige pierce but katrina allen was in the field it was ella hansen playing fantastic and a lot of other mm -hmm. very good women in the field mm -hmm. i mean only i mean second and Second place, technically tied for second place, was only two strokes back. And so Katrina and Sarah did have to put up that good final round to eventually come back. I mean, they beat Ella by seven strokes on the round. And so it's tough as a competitor at any tournament where, you know, you have the lead on them by, let's say, five strokes. And then slowly you're looking at the live scores and they're just creeping up, creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. And then it's, you know... Ella is newer to the tour, not like super new, but she hasn't really been in this position a lot when Sarah and Katrina are both veterans of the game. 
and know how to really kind of react in these kind of situations. So like Evan said earlier, you know, she did just get beat by, you know, Sarah when it came down to that last round, but kudos to them. Awesome battle to watch. I love watching live scoring when everything's close and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm out of Richmond playing my own little B tier and we're on hole nine. We got a little backup. And so we, the second we start sitting down, bam, we're checking master's cup. And it's like, Ooh, Katrina Allen putting together a great round. Oop, Sarah Hokum all of a sudden putting together a great round. And it's just really, really cool how far disc golf has come to where we are able to, you know, you're able to watch it live. You know, you watch Ella's card, but you know, not see Sarah come from behind, but, and then at the same time you get to watch the MPO on the final day. So it's just, it's really cool where disc golf is kind of come to where anyone in the country, you can at least look up the live scoring and see what's going on. Yeah. And I just want to kind of wrap up and say it's a silver series. I'm still finding myself mm -hmm. trying to find that balance of how much value I place on it. Um, it, it had a pretty good field and I know we're going to move into the MPO side. Um, but I'll say this, a, ch a comment in the chat, first of all, someone's asking how it's being on a different podcast, Terry, I'll let you answer that <laughs> another time, <laughs> but, uh, is that they're saying this happens in golf all the time. And I'm assuming they're talking about the chase card victory, but here's the thing. And I think disc golf will get there as more and more players become the elite. And we're already seeing this. It's tough. It's tough to crack the top 20. I think we'll see a lot more chase card victories in the future because you're going to be within a stroke or two cram packed at the top or lots of ties even through the second or the third card so i think it will happen more as we continue to progress that's my opinion at least that also brings up the topic of how many rounds tournaments should be i think when you have a three round tournament that leads to more chase card victories which also in a way is more excitement uh so i the tour is clearly kind of prioritizing three round events i think it's going to stick like that you get events that have a lot of people in the mix on the final day you have a lot of different um just stories coming from all these different areas and that leads to more excitement where if you have like a five round worlds which obviously not last year uh for either division uh, but five round events you might have someone up four strokes going to the final round and then just continue mm -hmm. on that lead i'm really appreciating the chat right now um so go ahead and give us the mpo side of it yeah like i said again and burr takes it down his first uh disc golf pro tour event his kind of first any kind of tour status uh win sorry not event he's played many um mm. he beats james conrad and matt orum those are two pretty good guys to beat um even if it's a silver series those guys uh can win any event they play chris clemens in fourth josh anthon and laurie 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 again europeans Heidi giving me Liney. a hard time yeah heidi liney right uh laurie Lettman, uh rounding out the top five uh paul Macbeth finishes seventh that is his lowest silver series finish ever it's not really saying much it's his only third silver series event he's first played. cut ever now lowest silver series ever what do we say disc golf world washed up, yeah. washed yeah. up. <laughs> that's exactly what i was oh, waiting man. for <laughs> he he ties anthony barilla uh a lot of talk about uh, that matchup between Macbeth and barilla with the bmw uh, the bmw is on the line there yeah uh andrew miranda am i saying that correctly um miranda i did miranda. see that i did see that uh he was the AM side winner at the Masters Cup, got on the uh, feature card for the first day. Uh, I think he had like kind of an okay first round, but then had a fire second round. I believe that one was the 1080 rated round, um, making a huge splash. You know, I'm just, I'm watching his forehand. It just looks so clean and just like, he's got that snap. 
you can tell that just when you see him, you're like, that guy, he's good. He might be using some snapstick mm -hmm. from DG Max. Max. We'll, have to, we'll have to look into that. Yeah. Could be. Uh, you know, he won the AM side event to that by 12 strokes. I did not know the amount. Per round. Yeah. No, yeah, I know, right? That's what it <laughs> yeah. seems like. It's insane, actually. I mean, he shot he shot a 1028, 1019, 1046 just at the AM side event of it, and then he pops off another 1080 round at the pro side. So, I mean, kid, kid's got game. Yeah, and my quick little insight real quick on that, uh, a gentleman who I stayed with at a Masters Cup many years ago, the, the weekend the, the Raptor legs were founded, so to speak, um, Scott Dimmig, who's a local you know Santa Cruz gentleman, he had messaged me a couple days before the tournament and said, hey, this Miranda kid is really good. He won the AM side. Keep an eye out for him. And then Miranda shows up and showed up big time this weekend. And even just last night as I was scrolling through the scores thinking like, it's cool to win the AM side, you know, of course, great. Then to come and have a solid performance on the pro side. And then you look at tying for seventh among some of those great players, including Paul McBath. And you just think like, what kind of confidence boost is that for you? I mean, mm -hmm. you're, you're tying one of the best players in the world, even if he didn't have his best weekend and you were had the hottest round in the entire tournament on, on Saturday. Yeah. Just so impressive. And, Big shout out to my buddy Scott, who is always keeping things, uh, you know, keeping his his eyes and ears open. And he told me to watch out, and he was absolutely dead on. So, and I think Andrew's just 16. Is that what we were what we were saying? And his, I believe his whole family was out there supporting him during the Amside nice. weekend. It's it's incredible. Yep. Talk about a future That's for awesome. that young man. The That's ages. probably so. Man, 17 so for Gannon, 16. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So MVP Open. I don't know if they still do it like this, but when you would win the AM side, you get a spot onto the pro side. And so like I've won it. Um, other people have won this event. They all go on, they play the feature card the next weekend or whatever. And usually they just blow up. Like I got smoked probably by 12, 13, 14 strokes by everyone else that I was playing on a card with. And uh, it was actually on live coverage. And I'm pretty sure Terry and Dixon Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. Yep. were the ones commentating it. Wow. And so I was kind of like, Oh Flashback. God, this is probably super. Yeah, I know. Right. But anyways, this is pretty cool because you have the uh, Masters Cup Anside winner who's actually placing incredible in the pro side of the event. Did it make a fool of himself on the feature card? Then goes, shoots the hot round of the tournament, and then goes and falls it up, ties with Paul McBeth, Anthony Barella, some all-time greats. And so it's just, it's cool. It's fun when you can actually make that AM side winner work out in the pro side of things. And I think as disc golf evolves, we're going to see more of that if tournaments decide to go that route, um, just with how good young players are getting nowadays. Well, any other notables, Evan? Or well, I was just going to say real quick, like, I think that's a really cool trend. It's also something that I might not want to see at every single event. I know a lot of people. I don't want to see it at everyone. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people said at MVP open. I'll actually, I, I feel like I saw maybe it was him. Maybe it was someone else. I don't want to quote, but JVD said that, that seems like an awesome tradition for silver series events. Maybe not every elite series yeah. event. And I think that would be really cool is. Kind of, yeah, that's actually a great yeah, idea. Yeah, kind of something like that's kind of what mm -hmm. silver series are meant to be kind of a show. Because you get, is you get what the first round coverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and i i think too sense. you know uh i think about how for many years the am world's winner i feel like was one of the f uh on the final cards uh for the, wow. the pre-feature card but for usdgc mm -hmm. am world's winner often mm -hmm. was going off whether it was the noon or twelve ten or whatever the first round was you know for the usdgc in terms of kind of an elite picked card 
I feel like that was something that was done many, many years ago, or the USADGC winner or whomever it was is usually a top amateur that was then matched up with, you know, the previous USDGC champion or the, you know, pro world's mm -hmm. champion. So that thought process has been around for a while and now it gets more divisive week in and week out as to who should or shouldn't be featured. I just had a funny conversation with Simon about that, but that's for another day. But it, yeah. yeah, feature card certainly a interesting conversation piece. And with the the trend of uh, elite series events, live coverage, you you have so many feature cards. Essentially, you have a gatekeeper card that goes out pretty early in the morning. Then you have really three live feature cards, and one of them being the Jomez mm -hmm. feature card as well. So it doesn't necessarily need to be the last card that features this person. It could be the noon feature card, or it could be a, mm -hmm. a secondary one. I just thought of it. Mm -hmm. oh, maybe it's a good idea. I was just going to proclaim. I thought of a great idea. Mm -hmm. We always bring up like, oh, that's a good topic we should do sometime. We should break that down more another day. We need somebody in the chat or somewhere else to do like a Google spreadsheet for us. <laughs> and every time we say that, just write down what that topic is. So we just have something Matt, to fish is, from. This is why we have an intern. I know. he's Intern Ben. He's sick in bed right now. I know right he's sick now. right now. I mean, yeah. But this is something that <laughs> he should be jotting down while doing that's the right. show. You know, we, we don't throw him up on camera too often. We got to, you know. That's true. He makes, so, he makes real good money with us. Unless it's got a virus. Yeah. Get yeah. to work. Ben. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. I think he makes good money with us. We got to put him to work. <laughs> he says he doesn't want to be paid, which I don't believe. But we'll see. He gets paid in jerky. Okay. We have like, if you could give us like the minute or two version which I think you're pretty good with time because you do live commentary, but give us the minute or two version. We got a super chat. We don't always do this, but, and we don't try to ignore our super chats either, but ask Terry about DG and live in Europe this year and the future. That's from D Lillo. So if you have any thoughts on that, Shout out D. Uh, I don't know if you're asking about if it's happening or what the, the deal is. I don't know. Just know that the quick minute version is, for starters, the seven to eight to nine hour time difference can obviously pose quite a challenge. I know later this year we're doing the PCS Sula Open, which means we start our commentary around midnight, which is perfect for me, the night owl. I don't care about that. I know everyone else will have a problem with it. So stateside, that is one of the big challenges. And then the European Open, I believe, is planned to be either three or four rounds, probably all four rounds will be covered live same idea whether i'm starting at midnight or 2 a.m or 10 p.m depending on if i'm in bend or somewhere else whatever studio i'm in if i'm involved with that one i don't know but anyway so the timing it's just it's goofy timing of course for everyone that's stateside which is most of the crew i mean we have the production uh the commentary we have all those people that are seven hours seven to nine hours behind is it going to continue mm -hmm. to be a thing i can't imagine that it wouldn't be um so i would think it would be uh, I guess we'll have to see too. I mean, uh, let's let's be honest. If viewership isn't there and it's not overwhelmingly received in terms of actual viewers, um, I guess we just have to value: are we do we care about the European viewers and those counts, or do we care about the stateside viewers and those counts that usually come along with it? Both are very uh, passionate fans. It's just a matter of you know what do the numbers look like. And as always, I'll end it with. That's way above my pay grade. I won't make any of those decisions, but if you need me talking at midnight, yeah. I'll talk disc golf for nine hours straight. Right. No problem. And in a Sounds very, good. very, and I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and in a very, very serious way. And maybe I'm wrong, Terry, but you were there at the birth of live disc golf. So, I mean, you have an opinion on how it was done. Why don't you just write a book about it and give it to the European <laughs> crew? And then maybe they can just take it and run with it. But in all seriousness, you're right. Passionate fans, both places, but how do you make it work where it makes sense? Yeah. All right. We've reached this point where I want to do some uh, discussion here about DG 
No, not DG Maxwax. This is Disc Golf Hempfield Botanicals. That's not actually the name, not Disc Golf Hempfield. It's Hempfield Botanicals, but I use it for my disc golf needs. In fact, let me get this quick story and then I'll let Nick talk about it. After yesterday's rounds, Terry, I was feeling extremely tight, achy, everything from the heel to the calves to up to my knees. And I took out this, what they call the everyday muscle recovery. And I just just squirted it all over my legs and lathered it. In. Not lathered. It's like a lotion. It's a CBD lotion, cream. And it started feeling amazing. Almost as if I got the dream that I wished would happen when I said, I want to dunk my legs in an ice bath. And it started to feel like that. Uh, I am very happy with the product, including the salve. The salve, I applied it to some of my joints that I think I might have overworked in my ankle, possibly. Yeah, I sound like I'm older than 37. I get it, but it is what it is. These products are working for me, including Nick's favorite, the chapstick. the chapstick. I don't know if it's his favorite anymore. Tell us how you've been using Hempfield, Nick. So... I've been using it in actually a lot of different ways now because I'm doing a lot. I'm either playing disc golf on the weekends. I'm working on a disc golf course. I'm also working with my apparel company. So I'm sitting down a lot. Even with the podcast right now, I don't have a super, super comfortable. I'm actually sitting Look on a camping chair right now. It's beautiful. And I, yeah, we're, we're, making, we're making moves on it. But the <laughs> stuff is actually right over there. And so I used it right before I got on the podcast because I know I'm a sloucher. And my body gets sore by the end of it. And so actually right before the podcast, I put some of the stuff that you were just talking about and I put it right in the back of my neck. So hopefully I won't be feeling any tenseness in my neck. But um, no, I use it pretty much every single day now, especially with how active I've been in the disc golf world. And it's it's been working awesome. I don't have to you know throw down ibuprofens anymore like they're candy, which is a great feeling because I know that's probably very, very, very bad for you. <laughs> so, uh, and then on chapstick, as the weather gets nicer, you know, your lips get dry and you want to not bleed everywhere and so no, bleed there you, go. Everywhere. you don't ever want to bleed yeah. everywhere i want to no, say this i've been thinking about this i was d working driving around using this product and i thought to myself how do i get nick and matt show listeners to get this and use this and to find out what the hype is with hemfield botanicals and i said whatever you're purchasing right now either when it runs out or now and just so you don't run out ever use the code nick and matt over at hemfield Make that consideration right now. Show them their sponsorship of us was worth it and get a good product. You get 20% mm -hmm. off using code Nick and Matt. Evan, any thoughts on it uh, before we close it out? Yeah, I'll just say <laughs> I played around with you on Friday, Matt. If you guys weren't following on oh, Instagram, right. Matt had a fire round, by the way. Shot even on diamonds. Fire, baby. Uh, and I did a oh that was supposed to be matt <laughs> wrong person i did a hike up some stairs <laughs> <I got> second <laughs> um at a at a reservoir near my house and my calves were burning and then matt was like let's play disc golf i'm like okay and uh you better believe my calves were feeling it i like I'm, i was stretching by like leaning over like two degrees uh just like the minor movements were just massive stretches for my calves i put this on it it felt great it does feel great. It, in fact, do you know, have you ever used like an icy hot? I know this is separate from him field, but I'm going to open up the conversation for let's all divulge because I don't use a lot of that like icy hot stuff, but I've been using this and I found that when I start feeling that cooling feeling and if you have like clothes on that portion of your body or let's say I was sitting in my lazy boy and my legs were resting on the cushion, it feels extremely cold. Is it like a pressure thing or a contact thing? It's different than just sitting there. I don't know how to explain yeah. it. 
Anybody? Am I weird? Uh, well, you are, but that I don't think that's exclusive. <laughs> yeah, that's not part exclusive. of the topic. We'll talk about that in the scare discussion. Is Matt weird? Uh, <laughs> and now for a Nick and Matt show exclusive. Matt is weird. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, nice. I, I just do whatever Shaquille O'Neal tells me. Right. So if he tells me to go with the, if Shaquille O'Neal says go with the icy hot, then I got to trust what Shaquille O'Neal says. I mean, that guy's a genius or something. Okay, see, I, I say this live, one, because I'm crazy. I'll say it live on air and wish I could just swallow my words back, and I'll well, maybe we'll ask Terry about that later if that ever happens to him. But then I know the chat's going to come through, and someone said, like, pressure always makes it better, and I don't know what they mean by that, but it definitely makes it colder. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. All right, uh, we're waiting here for um, our guest to arrive, and if he's smart, he will be fashionably late. Okay, and that's how I would do it. I'd be like, hey, I just won a silver series. But we're waiting on Gannon Burr here to show up. As soon as he does, we'll bring him in. Uh, and so let's do this. I believe yeah. he just started his routine. So once that's complete, oh my then then he will he'll be joining <laughs> oh us again. God. So when you're ready, we'll be here for him. That's right. We'll be do here. We call well, on 30 seconds. I, I got some stats to drop. Do it. You guys drop hear it. Him. I want to okay. hear him. Yes, I so do. we all know Gannon Burr is young. Um, but how quick is he to win a uh, major elite or silver series uh, kind of since starting the game? So uh, he first cash on September 27th, 2020, and then won his first silver series on May 15th, 2022. That is a difference of 595 days. Do you guys think that's the quickest um, ever oh in FPO? No. So we did the stat with FPO earlier, right? Like someone beat. Yeah, Stacy Haas did it earlier Katrina. This year. Okay, Stacey so this Haas is the MPO version. Still has the record. That maybe. was 266. Okay, but this is maybe the MPO yeah, version. This is MPO. <laughs> this, this is a precursor discussion. to Statter yeah, Fiction. Yeah, yeah, kind of getting to Statter <laughs> Fiction already. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I think that's the first. Who would have been closer? Do that. Ricky. I think Ter Terry's got to know the winner. Yeah, the, the only other two people that have to come to mind would be. Uh, more recently would be Kyle Klein and the very quick adaptation he had from amateur into pro and everything that he's done. And then also, of course, Ricky Wysocki. I mean, he, he, I was there when he won worlds in 2010, the junior worlds. Mm. And then fast forward, what a year to 2011, the special USDGC year where it didn't happen. And we had the players uh, championship that took place at the IDGC, the same place we just had the players cup. And then Ricky, took that down and uh you know he's all of like 17 or 18 or whatever he is at the time 18 maybe 19 whatever um yeah the ricky waisaki would have to be my guest for that and i'm honored to say i was there for both of those victories wow i don't well, i don't have a guess am i right that. though that's yeah I guess you're it correct matter. and i know nick nick you also said ricky waisaki so i'll give you some credit but kyle klein and ricky waisaki i read your tweet earlier Oh. Did I tweet that? <laughs> someone like, oh, someone tweeted. You were saying like it was it was like twenty four events. Someone tweeted oh, it on yeah, Stat. I'm pretty sure. No, that was PGA stats. He was doing some uh, quickest in, by oh. events, and this is mm. by uh, date difference. So same gotcha. idea. Well, all right, um, well, but it's gonna. Then I got then I got lucky. It's generally gonna lend to similar answers. Mm. Uh, so Kyle Klein did it in five hundred and thirty two days, and again, Gannon Bird did it in five hundred and ninety five. So about sixty days quicker for Kyle Klein from when he won. Um, 
Oh, Silver Series. So that was Mid America last April. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ricky Waisaki was 441 days. First cashed in July 11th, 2010, <laughs> before winning the Players' Championship in September 25th, 2011. That was the quickest Ricky Waisaki MPO or FPO before Stacy Haas took down the Silver Series and had 266 days. Uh, also notably, Paige Pierce did it in 447 days, and Katrina Allen in 553 uh there's also kind of another category to continue this on is just first pro event at all so it could be someone like uh andrew miranda who might be uh refusing cash to stay as an amateur uh so first pro event at all playing in the mpo division uh for gannonburg that was july 28 2019 so that is 1022 days the only people to do it quicker is kyle klein at 1010 nicola castro and kyle crabtree at both 1002 and then ricky wasaki at 869 for mpo those are some stats and we have him in our virtual green room listening to those and we're going to welcome him to the show now welcome to the show gannon burr how's it going man oh hold, up, gannon? hold on say that again say how's it going guys how's it going guys <laughs> perfect there you go. this is intern ben is not here to run the show for me and i'm slouching now on getting like audio set up this is the first time we've ever had five up on screen first time in the nick and matt show so there's a first time for a lot of things tonight but We've got Terry sitting next to Gannon, sitting next to Evan and May and Nick, and here we go. So, uh, Evan, see, I'm all stuttering now. Gannon, fantastic first DGPT win. Uh, That's something I'm sure you're proud of. How did that moment feel, like, in that moment? And now we're 24 hours later. How do you feel about it now? Uh, It's still pretty crazy to think about it, that I can, you know, compete at the highest level and take one of these down. Um, You know, it just... It makes me so happy to see all this hard work I've put in pay off. And even through my ups and downs, I was able to power through and get the win. You've been in this position now a couple times, whether you're competing for the lead, you were in a playoff over at Vegas, you took down this event. We've seen just a massive improvement going from last year into this year. And you're talking about all the hard work that you've had to put in to get to this point. What hard work are you putting in? What are you working on the most? What If you were to tell some kid right now to go out and practice, what are you telling them to go practice? Um, obviously putting, continue to practice putting. Um, uh, I've worked over the off season. I had trouble, I know last year, like uh, making circle two putts, even though my stats were pretty solid. Um, I mean, already through this year, I feel a lot better from circle two. Um, I always had like a, I was always really solid inside circle. I think I was top five last year in the world for circle one percentage. Um, and then this year I'm around the same, I think, but circle two has improved a lot more, um, even with it being windier and, you know, the course is being a little harder. Um, the thing I think that I've most improved on and what's helped me save strokes is my driving. I think um, the, the people who finish the highest are the ones that have the best circle one regulation or even circle two in regulation. So you're, you're getting in those opportunities to get the birdie putts and stuff. And if you can, if you're already a good putter, you can capitalize on those and, uh, you know, get further under par, but you can notably see my, my, even my scramble rate, my bogey rates a lot lower, um, playing smarter, playing safer, just kind of analyzing the shots and really taking into account, you know, the different variables of the course. Okay. And I, I'm on the Gannon Burr train. When you almost had the first win there in Vegas, I was on another disc golf show and this show saying, I expect to see many worlds out of this guy. Many being a strong word, but at least one or two. And, and to be clear, you've had some. 
but not in the MPO division. So no. we'd like to see, yeah, no, it's obvious. Um, so what is a win like this that you just had at Silver Series? A great field. You know the competition was pretty high. Um, what does a win like this do for you with your goal in mind of wanting to win the Elite Series? Does it change anything for you? Is your mindset shift? Is it just experience added? Like, how do you view that for going forward? Yeah, I think, I think it's just, sorry, it comes down to, you know, just being able to stay consistent at the top level. I think, you know, being, being in these situations over and over again have really helped me, um, you know, be able to compete at this high level. And, um, you know, I just, I haven't been doing a great job this season of being in contention to like win and, you know, within like the final couple holes or something like that. I mean, you know, I've had a lot of top fives and top tens, everything except for two events, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So I think um, I just want to be in contention more. And I think that's kind of my goal moving forward is just start really solid in the event. That way I can have a chance coming down the stretch and not have to like, you know, just battle back and take like, you know, fourth or fifth, even though those are super solid finishes, I obviously want to, you know, try to win these events. And that just comes down to making a, you know, fixing a couple mistakes per round. And I think my goal is probably just to try to, um, you know, maybe get one or two elite series events, you know, um, with, you know, pretty funny, like I've never been to Santa Cruz and never played this course before. I flew in on Wednesday after going to school on Tuesday. And then I just had like one day of practice on each course. And I actually didn't even practice whole 18 at the golf course because I was too lazy to because we were so gassed from the like four hours in the plane, like the worst plane seats I've ever had. So to, you know, to be able to get win like that, like getting like minimal practice, uh, I think I, I can, you know, I believe that I can take down another event on, you know, a course I haven't played like the OTB Open uh, this upcoming week. Talk to us about the course in and of itself. I mean, De La Viega, the Santa Cruz Master Cup has been such an ongoing tournament and such kind of, uh, it's one of the few, I think, technically par three courses. If It might be the only par three course actually that is on the tour nowadays. Talk to us about, you know, just competing at the famed De La Viega course and then going over into the golf course. Yeah. Um, so going into De La Viega, I've, um, I talked about like my, uh, post game uh, or post round interview that like game didn't feel good. And that combined with like just flying in, being all cramped in a plane and, you know, coming to that course, my game felt really terrible and I didn't feel good going, coming into the event on top of, you know, I hate par three courses. It's like my least favorite thing in disc golf is because it doesn't give you an opportunity if you throw a bad drive to get, you know, an up and down, which, it, you know, it can bring a lot more competition into play. And I was talking with J Josh Anton about that, you know, you know, sometimes he has trouble keeping up on these longer courses, but something like this he can keep up on because, you know, mm -hmm. he can reach every hole out there pretty much unless it's like I-5 or any of the crazy par threes. Um, but it's the course is like one of my favorites. It's very unique. There's a lot of history. It's super fun. Um, but uh, in terms of tournament play, it's just not my favorite because if you don't start strong, you don't get a couple birdies to begin with, you, or even if you get like one bogey, you know, you almost feel like you've lost. You know, it's, it's so tough to come back when a lot of the holes are just super tricky and tight lines. Um, but I was able to you know, kind of capitalize on my good drives there. Um, and then going into the golf course was a pretty easy switch. After the second round, I went out with Gavin Babcock and um, my caddy, Mark Anderson. And we, we um, got a golf cart. And we drove the entire golf course just to look over it. Um, one last time to kind of assess the landing zones that I wasn't comfortable with. A lot of the greens out there have OB golf greens and sand traps right next to the holes. So 
uh, we went out there and kind of scoped out the course and kind of noted where I wanted to land on every every par four and par three and just kind of dialed in the game plan. I think that really led me to my success. Nice. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm over here off camera, like shaking my head in amazement. Like, I'm going to jump right to it. You're 17 years old, correct? Yeah, and I'm just 17. You can only know what you know and have experienced this far, but are you aware or what level of awareness do you have that your journey to where you are and what you've already accomplished is extraordinary. Like how aware are you of that at 17 years old? Because I, I'm trying to fathom it myself. Uh, yeah, it's like, I know it's, it's different for me because like I see myself as just another pro and tour, you know, the age doesn't matter to me. Um, mm -hmm. even though it's like, it's super cool to be like the youngest player on tour that, um, is competing for these wins. Obviously we have a couple more people coming up and, and a little younger than me even they're on tour but uh I, f I feel like you know it's just i don't know it's just it's just crazy in that so yeah it is crazy <laughs> so welcome i mean we've been following you for a while especially when i was running kids disc golf just watching you as a junior and all that you've accomplished but it's just incredible to hear 17 years old and i find myself thinking does he it, like how can you know what you don't know but you're only 17 and you're doing amazing things yeah yeah and i what uh Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, I think like, uh, just being friends, with, like a lot of the like, top pros out here too, kind of like makes me feel older, I guess. So that's okay. another like reason that I guess it just doesn't, you know, it's, I feel like it's a great accomplishment no matter how, you know, how young of a player you are. Um, but obviously like being, you know, this young and competing at this high of a level is, uh, it's a great, it's, I mean, I see it. It's a great accomplishment. And that's really what drives me to keep playing is knowing how long I, you know, I have so much time left in this game and getting started, getting started good early is really important. I feel like. how, how old were you when you started? About? Disc golf? Yeah. Um, I was like 10. Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> I was going to say, I've been playing about as long as you're alive. And then I thought you might say, I've been playing as long as I'm alive. But, uh, yeah. but so, okay. So seven years. Nick, what were you going to say? I was going to say, what what part of your game right now, as we see, you know, now we're going to OTP Open. It's a lot bigger of a course. You're obviously very strong on the golf course style of disc golf. But what part of your game right now do you feel like needs the most work? I think I just need to quit jacking with my form. I, after DDO, I was trying to, like, find some more distance um, just, just because. I mean, why not? I ended up, like, messing my timing up really bad. I think I just need to um, just – you know, now I know I, I don't have to change anything in my game. I've been trying to copy what players do for distance, like Eagle, and, you know, just, just studying his form, and it just doesn't work for me. You know, I've tried everything, um, ends up messing my form up. Uh, but I, I think just realizing that my game is good enough the way it is and how I play, that I don't need to change anything. I just need to keep practicing, and the distance will come with time as I get stronger and get older, and, you know, I'm able to put a little more weight on, uh, but the, the rest of the game, I think it's just going to come with time. And that's something that's kind of frustrating at points at times, mm -hmm. just knowing that, you know, my body, I guess, isn't at its full potential right now. And that's just due mm -hmm. to my age. Um, but, you know, being uh, obviously tall and skinny helps, uh, I think, playing, playing disc golf, but I'd like to, you know, be a little stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in follow up to that, because that was something I was in intrigued by you saying that you're working on your form. Thank you for answering that without being asked. That was wonderful. My follow up to that is, do you have anybody that's working with you as a coach or a mentor in disc golf that's saying, like, let me watch how you're throwing. Let me see you're wanting to change it. Let me help critique that. Or is this all on your own? 
I'm my, I'm my own coach. I just uh, feel myself in my basement. Uh, I'll screen record videos from like Jomez of players throwing like when they have like a bomb or something. Like if, if Eagle throws down like a massive just air shot, I'll be like, okay, let me, let me screen record it. Go frame by frame by frame, cop, you know, put it next to my form frame by frame and kind of see what our differences in our, are in our game and our forms. And I, I've, I've never, ever had a coach. I've always been self-taught just off YouTube videos alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I'm, I want to open this up to everybody. Terry, I mean, the Terry, the interview master is here in studio. I don't know <laughs> if you knew that was the case tonight, Gannon, but he's here. I'm going to open this up to Evan or Terry or whoever. Go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll just start with one Gannon. First of all, of course, congrats. It was awesome. I, I remember being there watching that epic uh, battle and that playoff that took place a few months ago at Las Vegas. So to see you come back out on a golf course, nonetheless, to take it down. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. So, but my question would be, first one is, you know, to transition from the De La Viega course, we talked about that being the par threes, the style that it is. And then, you know, for two rounds of it, roll away is all these, you know, possible things that can happen. And then to go out to the golf course, just an entirely different game. And of course you said you weren't that familiar with either course when you arrived in Santa Cruz, but what were some of the, the physical or mental transitions you were making in your own head when you transition from Saturday night into Sunday's play and going just to a totally different course. And then the follow-up to that long question is just, do you like playing multiple courses for the same event? Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll answer that question first, actually. So I, I, I feel like I do prefer playing different courses because it allows players that made mistakes in like previous rounds. They're not able to correct it on the on a, the same mm-hmm. course. Cause we don't play again. Like Las Vegas, uh, obviously we had a chance one time to improve our scores on the end of a course, but that's it. We played three different courses in Las Vegas, and I felt like every time, you know, you know, I think a lot of the top pros, the reason they're so good is because they correct off the mistakes they made the previous round. And I think that it helps me out just against the field um, because to me it's just, it's just a disc golf shot, you know. It's just you find your game plan, you see the shot, don't think too much about it, if you can just hit your line, hit your angle, you know you're going to be able to score good on any course. And what was the other the start of that question? Well, I guess you I, that kind of transitions to the idea of do you take that mentality and think, you know, do you do you pull up your inner M&M and think I got one shot, one moment, one chance when you head to the golf course on Sunday because you just had one take at it and that was it. That was the yep. one round you were going to competitively play on Sunday. So how did you mentally shift your focus from the wooded De La Viega regular course into the golf course? Yeah, um, in a way, for me, they're kind of similar. You know, you, you just you pick your line. There's lines that are there that you have to hit. Obviously, the golf course has more open shots. So you're allowed to air it out a little more, um, which just makes me a little more confident. There's not as much risk, and I tend to, like, not take as long on the drives. I feel like at more open courses that don't have much punishment, I guess. Um, but I think, yeah, they're, just, they're very similar in my head and how I view it. You know, it's just a course. You're just trying to get from the tee pad to the basket in the least amount of strokes. Par doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It's just you need to beat your competitors based off of that. So I think, I think, um, yeah, just just seeing the line. You know, I've, I've struggled in the past, even, even last year and sometimes this year, on the two events that I finished around 25th place, my worst two finishes, um, you know, I struggled with worrying too much about what can go wrong. Um, instead of just thinking on how to do the shot, you know, instead of 
like, oh, am I going to miss or make this putt? I'm like, okay, where do I want to aim to make the putt? You know, it's like mm -hmm. just shift the mentality that way, um, you know, to make the game just feel a little bit easier. Now, I'm, I'm just going to ask one follow-up to that, um, you know, as you're talking about prepping and routines and, and just transitioning and getting things ready. You know we wouldn't be doing our job, especially me as a commentator. I, I'm, of course, the first to admit that from time to time I will make a light joke or reference to the timing in which sometimes you've taken. And you've even you've said it yourself. Uh, I, I know it was around the All-Star break. You were asked about your time, and you said that's something you're really working on. Do, do you feel an internal clock and or do you feel any pressures when you are getting ready for your shots and, and, and how are you continuing to kind of address or, or combat that? Yeah, so it's still something I'm working on. I thought I fixed it uh, around the All-Star event uh, time, but just when the pressure's on, it's really tough. Um, I think... Sorry, can you repeat the question again? Well, I guess right. the question is, like, do you know that there's times where you definitely oh. exceed the 30 seconds? And then if so, you know, what are you doing? What are you trying to do to, to uh, I'll say, address it? Because you've been even warned, and clearly the last yeah. thing you want or any competitor wants is extra strokes to be tacked on. So what are you doing to, you know, possibly find a way to, you know, address it or combat that? Yeah, there's definitely, like, I mean, I do have an internal clock. I know I've heard Nico talk about, like, he doesn't even realize he's taking that long. Mm -hmm. That that happens to me, you know, a good bit of the time, I feel like, where I'm like, was that really that long? Um, but I, I do acknowledge I'm a slow player, and it's something I'm trying to fix. Um, but, you know, as long as I stay within the limits, it's completely fine. There's a lot of other mm -hmm. slow players on tour that are still within the time time limit. But um, I, there are some points, um, especially, like, so I get up, a perfect example would be like, I get to my lie, I do my routine, I'm about 15 seconds in, and whether that's, it's mainly just on the putting green, I feel like driving maybe a little bit, but uh, wind picks up, and then I'm like, oh shoot, I want to wait for it to die down, or for it to calm down a little bit, and I reset, at that point, I'm already like 25 seconds, and then it's like, okay, you got to throw right now, and I've, I've rushed a couple shots like that, and it's, it's just, it's really frustrating. That's like my only word I can say is like, I just, just, it's, it's so, it makes me so angry, you know, just like knowing that like I was almost about to throw when picks up and then I'm like, okay, you got to throw now. And I've, I've rushed shots, thrown OB, missed putts like that. So I'm, I'm very aware I do take long and I'm still something I'm working on. I think I, I asked my caddy how I did with my time this week and he said it was, you know, better. So hopefully I can continue to improve that. <laughs> Now, this may sound like a silly question, but it might not be, depending on what your answer is, but would you be in favor of extending the kind of shot clock by 15 seconds, or are you happy that it is at 30 seconds? It's just wind, windy situations, don't get me wrong, everyone's going to play a little bit slower in the wind or in the rain or anything like that, but if you're on a, you know just a regular disc golf day, are you in favor of, let's say, making it a 45-second shot clock or keeping it at 30? Yeah, I, I just think, I, I personally think there shouldn't be a time limit, you know. It's like, no one's going to, like, willingly take purposely two minutes on a wide-open shot. You, you never really see that happen unless it's, like, crazy circumstances or or you just have a mental lapse, I feel like, or you're in the crazy woods. I mean, I, I've seen players, I had three players on my card one time, and they took, like, actually eight to ten minutes to get out of the woods on this one hole um, at Tallahassee, and, you know, um, it's just like 
we get in those situations. I, I feel like if you take the rule away, there's just so much negativity and bad things that happen with that rule. And, um, you know, you can kind of argue whether it's a pace of play rule or just a common courtesy, like, you know, we're not trying to purposely take long to make people mad. Like no one, mm -hmm. no one does that. No one does that to get in their head or anything. It's just like we throw until we're comfortable. And I feel like if you take that rule away, just so much negativity goes away and there's, there's nothing for people to get angry about because no one's really going to take super long anyway. So if you get rid of that, you know, rule, there's a lot of controversy and stuff like that kind of I know, get, eliminates itself. And I think that, um, you know, even with the rule with them taking away, like the whole distractions thing, you know, I've had some pretty like terrible distractions with cars, you know, driving a couple feet from me, like when there's no one, like even like hole one uh, yesterday and happened to James too. There was a lady walking three feet from him, but he could stop because you're not allowed to do that anymore. Um, um, so yeah, I, th I think, I think, I think either just take it away or maybe yeah, add like 15 seconds to it, but it's just okay. a lot of drama right now in the disc golf world. I feel like. Yeah. Quick little follow-up question to that. What are your practice rounds? Like you're obviously, I'm assuming most of your practice rounds, you probably play with buddies of yours. Maybe not. Maybe you play a lot of solo ones, but what are your practice rounds? Like in the sense of, do you feel like you're taking a long time on, specific shots or anything like that or do you kind of cruise through your practice rounds yeah practice rounds i just walk up and chuck like i <laughs> i i'm someone who just takes like i throw a lot of shots in practice so mm -hmm. like i mean sometimes even like i know a day a lot of a couple shorter holes i have like a stack of like five to six discs in my hand my left hand and mm -hmm. i just stand there throw grab the disc throw and to get the rep in and see the line i'm not trying to take my time you know Take, yeah. I think I can take my time when I'm in the moment and then really, really dial in the line. But, you know, putting gets – that's why practice putting is easy because I feel like when you have a bunch of putters and you, mm -hmm. you finally see the one go in, all you got to do is copy the line. It's, it's mm -hmm. super easy. So, yeah, I, yeah practice rounds, I, I fly through them. I throw a lot of shots, but I, I fly through them. And, yeah, I, yeah. Just, I, I like playing with friends in practice rounds. I Playing solo is kind of boring. It's, you know, it's also, okay. I think – bad to play solo rounds sometimes i guess just not for anybody else but just for me because uh it's i think it's good to bounce ideas off other people and see mm -hmm. uh you know do i want to land in this landing zone or here or what's your opinion on you know how to put in this wind and you mm -hmm. know what's the best highest percentage shot you can make yeah agree um i guess one more comment to follow up on any, every, all of this, but your last two shots of the tournament, I think you took a total of 10 seconds per shot. I mean, you had about a, what an 80 foot upshot to kind of lay up for par and then maybe a 10 foot putt at that point. But it's just funny, two of the most pressure filled shots there. You were just, you stepped right up, bam, put the mini down through it and then walked up to the other one. I think you picked up the same disc and just put it right in. So now nah, kudos to you. I mean, obviously huge congrats on the win and everything like that. And I think time issues in disc golf will solely, fizzle out um as players do get better with the whole time limit thing but anyways well i was just gonna say that that's a very interesting conversation so if someone's creating this spreadsheet for us i want to go back to the time rule violation and i think you brought up some great points on that gannon uh but not to be overlooked by your win i think that was fantastic i am impressed again i am on the gannon bird train i i was since the very first event of the season and before that so anytime uh reach out is there anything that we missed that you think we should have highlighted that you were hoping to talk about mm, not really i guess i guess i, I just feel like i played consistent the whole the whole way through and i think that's something that is going to be 
crucial to, you know, the rest of the season. I want to just um, keep up. I just, uh, one more thing I want to say I don't want to do is after, like, after Vegas, I went to Waco and got 25th. I don't want to do that again. I want to <laughs> keep getting these, like, top fives and stuff or, or wins. So I yeah. think, I think now that, you know, you know, my, my whole, my whole reason I want to keep doing good is so people don't think it's a fluke. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, as the season progresses and I get these more, these better finishes and stuff like that, or even, you know, like I'm, I'm fourth in pro tour points right now by a, a pretty solid margin, like 70 points or something like that. So, um, over fifth place. Um, but I think just can keep my consistent play up is my, my only goal. So I'm the first Bye. to call out the fluke and I'm known for that on the show. And I have not done that once with Gannon and I don't feel yeah. like there's any level of fluke there. And I know you feel like you don't want the 25th, but from my perspective, if it matters, it's not going to be a fluke if you take 25th of the next one. But anyways, Evan had something he wants to say. Well, yeah, you led me right into it again. And you said you're fourth in, in points, and you're actually 65 points above fifth, uh, that being Paul McBeth. And uh, you're over 100 points ahead of sixth, which means you have clinched a spot to the match play championship in Colorado uh, happening in about a month or so. Um, because you've already clinched, do you have plans on attending it? And if you are, have you seen the courses whether online or in person and how do you think that kind of fits to your game i have no idea how the course is <laughs> no never even seen it. I've, I've heard of it we talked to some people um and they said it was pretty sick you know some good elevation um i'm i'll be the first to say i'm not great playing at elevation it's just i'm one who throws you know different stabilities on different lines so it's kind of tough for me to like go switch especially when there's shot shaping involved um to, you know, you know, trust your flippy discs and then they just don't flip as much as you want. Um, but, uh, I think, I think I just need to, you know, just play solid and really get a couple more practice rounds in there. And yes, I'll, I'll definitely be there. Awesome. All right. Well, it's been great having you Gannon. I always appreciate as anyone in this situation of doing podcasts would, when you respond so quickly, we really appreciate that and uh, look forward to more conversations. Uh, if you if it's a fluke, you'll hear me say it, but I don't think that's coming out of my mouth for a while. Have a good evening, Gannon. We really appreciate it. Congrats, oh, Gannon. So much. Guys. All right, ladies, man. Bye. All right, everybody. That was Gannon Burr. If you didn't know him, you knew a little bit more about him now. Um, Gannon Burr. So uh, that was pretty cool. I thought uh, I appreciate Terry the fact that you asked that question because for some reason it wasn't on my radar, and I think we needed to hear about it. Yeah, and, and I, I know, again, I'm the first to admit during a, a live broadcast or maybe even during a post-production, I may throw out a, a, a joke or a subtle hint at it from time to time, and and I'm not afraid to, to bring it up with, obviously, with any particular player. I've done so with Nico, and it is a conversation piece that is being held within the disc golf community, and I think it's great to hear the insight from the player themselves. I'll tell you, I've had very lengthy conversations now with with three-time world champ Nate Doss in Mm. how he feels. And I've heard him say he'd be good if there wasn't uh, any kind of a a time limit or a time rule. Again, this could be a topic for one of your other shows, but he he likes the golf mentality, which is, you know, a pace of play, which means if you're keeping up or if you fall behind a certain amount of time behind the group in front of you, that's when you can get penalized. You can get warned and penalized, all of which I didn't know. But that's how apparently, uh, you know, golf does it. And Mm -hmm. that's an interesting philosophy as well. And I think about you put some of our, we'll say, more methodical players together in a group. 
it it sometimes isn't long before they're you know hole two three holes where they can fall behind the group in front of them and uh, that'd be maybe an interesting consideration i also just worry that that you know that that's in some sense punishing literally everyone else behind them at the same yeah. time so uh, exactly. i don't know i know you know we've given nico a hard time about it kind of jokingly kind of seriously throughout the years yeah. and and we have other slow players and and let me go on the record and this will be my final piece on it if every player takes 29.99 seconds to throw for every single shot you will never hear a word from me it's habitual extension over and over and over that's when yeah. i get worked up but you want to take 29.99 seconds every throw i'll never say a word about it because that's within the rules and i'm good with that so that's that's mm -hmm. what i'll say fantastic and i want to shout out a friend of the show robbie c disc golf in the chat uh we appreciate you in the chat uh your new show foundation podcast network is pretty cool uh thanks for stopping by your voice is always welcome here We'll have to do that collab. He reached out one day and said, let's go to Maple Hill. It fell through. If it ever happens again, we'll make it work. All right. We've made it to this point in the show where I'm really excited to get back to something that we haven't done in a long time. We're bringing back in a little bit of a different format, and we're doing it with Terry Miller in studio. Let's get right to it, everybody. Judge that disc golfer. Judge that disc golfer. The game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. That's right. We judge a disc golfer we've never met. And this is really the first time on screen. I have the name because we asked for people to submit their desire to be judged. <laughs> and so I was a little, yeah, it's funny. I feel rude or dirty. I, hey, it feels <laughs> yeah, that way. Right? But we put out the request. We said, do you want to be judged? And I think they're actually happy to be judged by Terry Miller as well on purpose. <laughs> like, I think so. So let's go ahead and find out your name. What is your name? Good, sir. Hello, my name is Ryan Burns from St. James, Missouri. Okay. All right. Uh, we I like just... that last name. It rhymes with another last name than I know of. Evan yeah. Kearns. Perfect. Awesome. Kearns and Burns. That would uh, be a go. good doubles team. Yeah, let's do it. There you go. There you go. So often I'm filming, um, I'll use the word random or casual disc golfers walking off the course to do this segment. That's how we've always done it. In this scenario, I know that you are at least aware of the Nick and Matt show. Can I ask the question, how long have you been listening? Uh since i want to say the spring of 2020 oh spring back. of 2020 yeah. that's back in the I beginning went back, i went back on my spotify and was getting all the way to the very end seeing that i had played everyone so well fantastic it's a lot of, it's a lot of time yeah. <laughs> matt you <laughs> matt talks a lot so. right. <laughs> Nick, that's awesome. Yeah, we've we've had people walk the whole Appalachian Trail and listen to hundreds or thousands of hours. It's amazing. So thank you very much for that. Uh, let's go ahead and get right into it, Ryan. Uh, we got your name, so you we know where you're from, Missouri. Are you a member of the PDGA? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, my number is, you want to know my yeah, number? Yeah, go ahead. Give us your number. 107666. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. <laughs> he holds up the horns. I asked for a refund. <laughs> he holds up the horns. One oh, I'm going to remember that number. That's yeah. not, That's a remember, like 107666. Okay, perfect. Uh, so do you have, you, you have a rating? Have you played any events that were rated? I have. I've played, I believe, 15 events in the past, what, two and a half or four years. 
Nice. Okay, so yeah. two and a half events. I'm filing this away. This is all no, important information. 15 events in the oh, last four years. 15 events. Okay, so we have a probably a fairly accurate rating. Okay, so what is your rating? Uh, I believe it's 903. Nine. I was up to 930 at one point, but, you know, then I had a kid. <laughs> and he takes up a lot of my time <laughs> oh yes we know about that some of us do yeah. some of us do yeah. evan's about to get married i think his disc golf world's gonna be changed <laughs> yeah don't have a kid though so i'm all good <laughs> just the wife oh believe Smart. me i in some ways yeah. i think it was harder just having the wife because it was like date night oh there's a league on that night do you want to join me no yeah. i thought this was a date okay Anyways, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> yeah, another time. Yeah. Um, so we're here to judge Ryan. We're getting the information we need. And the chat is gonna get into this in a minute. They're tr they're they're just taking this all in. So you, you play tournaments. You said 15 rounds. Um, what's your best finish and in which division? Do you recall that? Uh, I have three wins. I have two rec wins and one intermediate win. Okay, two rec wins and one intermediate. You have to take region. I'm Say a that firm again? believer of like yes, I'm a firm believer that you have to win two in one division, then bump up, and that's got me stuck where I'm at. That's <laughs> mm, your two for life. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Okay. So we heard wreck and we heard intermediate. Okay. And so now we kind of guessing 903 intermediate. On an average round, do you usually shoot under par? And I'm saying average. You can pick the course in your head, whatever. But do you usually shoot under par? Uh, at my home course, it's about 50-50. Okay. I'd say I'm right around par. Yeah. All right. My best is a bag. My best is a neg nine, and then I'm in my slumping times. I'm like plus four. And that's a good answer, but is this like negative nine at Maple Hill or is it, you know, somewhere like anyway? Negative okay. nine is a, is a thousand rated. Oh, okay. Okay. It's throwing out yeah. more information for us. Here we go. A uh, few more questions before we start to judge you. <laughs> Do you have a favorite disc golf professional? Someone that you say you most commonly root for? Okay. He's holding up a disc and it says Barsby line. Greg Barsby. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. How long have you been a fan of the sport? Uh, I got my first disc in 2002 Wow! and I had no idea what it did. So we tried to play catch with it and then we stopped playing with it. I played my first round in 08 at Albert Oakland in Columbia, Missouri, but then I've probably been playing consistently for the past decade, I'd say. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to like revamp this a little bit and ask more questions that I thought might help us judge you. And this is the last one. What's a hobby besides disc golf that you enjoy? Uh, tumbling rocks. There we go. Like the <laughs> there we go. Someone call up yeah. Luke Humphreys. Let's yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I have one more qualifying question that I just need to know. Sure. Sure. Any chance you're left-handed? I'm not. Oh, I I actually am left-handed, but I throw right in. Oh my goodness, Terry! Do you know him? I, I, I could sense it. I could sense it. No, okay. I, 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 do, I do not. No. Terry comes out and aces all the questions. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I just. What's his favorite deodorant? Oh, I know that. <laughs> That's Old weird. Old Spice Pure Sport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think we've asked enough qualifying or questions, getting us the foundation to judge you. I hope you're ready. The first question we have to ask is how far 
can you throw a disc? Now, before you answer, file that away, uh, write it down, or promise us you're not going to change your answer to skew the results here. That's what we'll like, say. Real, real quick, is that like my max distance throw downhill tailwind ground in a field if you nope. if you go out to a football field that's a thousand feet long right. how far are you reaching on a calm day no, nick, that's like, not the what's... question though that's how nick can perceive the question but the question is just simply how far can you throw and if our... someone's answering by how far they throw downhill they are not <laughs> this... invited back to the show nick <laughs> this is judge this is judge that disc golfer and you have to decide uh, i'm gonna judge you if that's how you're deciding your distance <laughs> so here's here's the re here's here's a follow-up up to that question this is taking a little bit longer than i anticipated but if you were to figure out how far you were to throw have you ever don't tell us the answer like how far you have but how do you measure how far you throw like what are you going to even gauge that off of are you going to say hey because i know the length of a hole or like or do you measure throws often um not so i mean when i do field if i ever do field work like <laughs> yeah but a lot of times it's based on the hole the t sign okay um Okay, Nick. So and there then, you go. And then backing it, signs. Well, All then right. backing it with a rangefinder. Oh, I mean, most range of the courses finder. I play are um, either Russ Burns or Dave McCormick design. So okay. I feel like they're pretty up <laughs> Nick, to date on their Nick, you're you're up first, man. <laughs> Judge him. How far hey, is he I'll, gonna say? I'll give it. I'm gonna go 380 feet. He's been playing a while. I'm next here. I feel like he's gonna be really honest and i feel like throwing 380 is pretty hard but i'm gonna go with 350. terry you're up i'm gonna say 395. 395. Uh, no 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 oh, 405. Oh, 405. 405. he's oh, throwing it 405. <laughs> yep all right 405 nick you guessed 385 i think oh, i said or 380. that's a tight win i think i said 380. I, I'm tempted to go 666, 666. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I, I'm going to say 425. All I'm, right. I, you're the bomber, my future doubles partner. All right. So Evan went high. I went low. And Nick and Terry meet in the middle. This is the time. Right How far can you throw a disc, Ryan? Probably 333 feet. Let's go. Oh, okay. I took the first you point. Thank you I'm for more, your honesty. I'm more of a finesse player than a bomber. All right. Old man goal. All right. I was ready for you to say 548 <laughs> feet or something like that and just be like, you know what? I'm so dumb with judge that disc golfer. <laughs> yeah, but you got to get better. That's what my wife always tells me yeah. with games. She says, you have to figure exactly. out the game, Matt. And then she beats me anyways. She always beats me. Exactly. All right. It, we've brought a whole heavens laughing <laughs> it's true my wife beats me in any game we play just about maybe not disc golf that's my only thing i've got all right go. and then my son beats me <laughs> all right uh here's we've brought some new questions ryan so if you've heard this in the past we've brought a load of new questions for this new season of shows if you were ready to hit the tour what brand would you choose as your main sponsor now I'm going to give you a list here, but I want you to know the monetary value of these sponsorships would be the same for each of these. They will all pay your entry fees and enough to travel to each event and lodging. So none of that is really in consideration. It's just coming down to the brand. And the brands are Nike, McDonald's, Red Bull, or Planet Fitness. Now, if you have a phone or a notepad, go ahead and think up your answer and jot it down or just file it up here. We'll give you a second to lock it in. Let us know when you got it locked in. Good? 
Yep, we're All right. good. All right, he's got it locked in. He's not going to change it. We cycle, so I will be going first. Matt, that's a great question. I actually like that one. <laughs> I didn't run these by Nick. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you think so. So it, this is where it gets, like, really judgmental here. <laughs> I'm like, a little superficial. Yep, yeah. Yep. If I say yeah. McDonald's or if I say Planet Fitness, like, yeah. there's all these feelings I have in judging yeah. here. So I just have to go based off my initial reaction to him. Uh, Brian, I feel like, dang it. It's, I don't want to give it away for everyone else what my two are that I'm debating between, but it's Nike or Planet Fitness. And I'm going to go with, he's just staring, man. That poker face is so strong. I'm going with, I'm going with Nike and we can choose the same. I should have clarified. Everyone here could choose the same. So Nike's still on the board, Terry, but your list is Nike, McDonald's, Red Bull or Planet Fitness. <laughs> just look at him yeah, Terry. <laughs> uh, i'm i'm gonna uh, i i'm also wavering on two i'm i'm gonna go with nike as well though okay all right i'm going red bull he likes rock tumbling i think he's also a rock climber and red bull they're like those action kind of sports they're a big player whether he drinks red bulls constantly or not i think red bull would be cool to be in that category all right nick you're up I, I wanted to go Nike for all the apparel aspects and the shoes. All that is all there. But at the same time, McDonald's, that's free food for life. And that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Planet Fitness offers showers in a gym. And then uh, what was the last one? McDonald's, Nike. Red Bull. Red Bull. That's right. Oh, yeah. Evan just said that Red Bull. Uh, I don't think he's a Red Bull guy. But all right. We, I'll go. Where do you go? I'll go Nike. In. Nike. Nick, Nick locks yeah. in Nike. All right. I can't wait to find out. This is the first time we've ever asked this question, Ryan. What are you locking in as your sponsor? In the 90s, I got to see the Bulls play. I'm a big Jordan fan, so I got to say Nike. Nike. No! I knew right when he said the Bulls. I was like, oh, it's Nike. He Nike was and Jordan. Me. All right, so <laughs> points for Nick, myself, and me. Tara. I said Nike. Boom. Tara All Bear. Right. Perfect. That was really fun. So Terry's going to be up first with this one. Uh, this one you may be familiar with. This one is not brand new. If I give you a stack of 10 putters, you go to circle's edge, and you're on the edge. So there's no jump putts. It's standstills, demonstrate balance. 10 putters from circle's edge. How many are going in? Terry, you're up first. What's his Five. Answer? Five. Oh. Are you just playing odds there, Terry? Uh, or is no. this your real judgment? Uh, no, I, I think... I think <laughs> Five is the magic number. All right, Evan, you're up. This guy, no offense, throws 330, and he can put up 1,000-rated rounds occasionally. Like, if this once. guy... Once. Okay. Once. 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 <laughs> He's giving us one occasion. <laughs> one occasion. <laughs> okay, fair. I'm still going to go on this trend yeah. of, if this dude can, like, make 50% or less of his circle edge putts and can still do that well, I want to know what this guy can do otherwise. I, I'm saying the magic number of seven. All right, Nick, you're up. That's such a good number, too. I mean, I think anyone's obviously going to pick that one, but he's a finesse player. He's got some courses near him that he likes. Evan said seven. Can I choose seven as well, or do I have to choose a different one? We'll do it. It's not a tiebreaker, so you can go seven. All right, because now now I'm tempted to just... Terry, you said five? Yeah. I'm going to go six. 
I'm going to go six. <laughs> well, this is great because in my head, I was locking in eight. And for a lot of the same reasons you were, I feel like that's where he feels really confident. And I know yeah. we all have our issues, but I think he's going to say eight. Right, eight Ryan? Was no. <laughs> Seven was my first. <laughs> we can try to influence him later yeah. or now. All right. So, Ryan, this is the time. You tell us. How many putts would you hit? No wind involved, just straight up. So when I found out I was going to be judged today, I decided to go out to my practice basket <gasps> and, and do 10 putts right there. So fate is going six, to... I hit six of them. Let's go! <laughs> six The other four putts. hit metal, but... Yeah. So that goes to Nick, right? Yep. That goes to Nick, yep. Oh, man. We have a barn burner. Nick at two, myself with two, Terry with one, Evan whatever you want to call am it am i gonna get skunked Ugh. i don't know this is your first time competing in this yeah. game I'm a, right I'm, no i've done this a few times before and i oh, have lost okay. nick used to always lose this game and have to buy everyone lunch i am yeah. coming in and taking that role minus paying lunch <laughs> okay. i was gonna say please take the tab off my head <laughs> so the reality here is that evan's not going to be able to win but he might not be skunked and it looks like We'll see how this plays out. This is our last question, unless we need a tiebreaker. All right, Ryan, if you were to get a disc golf tattoo, you've heard this. And let me just ask, do you have any tattoos? And do you mind sharing with us if you do? I have five tattoos. Okay. Now, do you have any disc one. golf tattoos? I don't. Okay, no. good. So tell us what they are, if you want to, if you want to. Uh, I'll tell you my most recent one. It's a hot air balloon. My wife and I just got married, and we had a hot air balloon at our wedding that all of our guests got to go up in it was pretty sweet That's and then sick. we went yeah we went on our honeymoon in portland so i got to play milo that was pretty cool um, but yeah okay. i have five tattoos five nice. tattoos and we got a glimpse of one and it had a memory attached to it as most tattoos right. do but it was an air balloon okay it gives me a little bit of feel here's the question if you were to get your next tattoo and it was going to be a disc golf tattoo would you go with a single basket, the doink putt, meaning a putter hitting the front rim, a cartoon Tasmanian devil doing a 360 drive, or a disc golf phrase like grip it and rip it or death putt? And it could be your own disc golf phrase, but like in that genre of disc golf tattoo. Like step inside the Smashbox? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, like, yeah. that, that would be paid for. Yeah, okay. yeah, paid for by... Oh. <laughs> right on the forehead. Remember that back yeah. in the day? There was I got a big that. forehead too. Like, <laughs> look at this shiny dome. Yeah. Look at all that ad space. So Step into the smash box. What style tattoo is he going for? And I think Evan's up first, correct? Oh, man. Yeah, Evan. What, what tattoo is he? You have it locked in, Ryan? Yes. Okay, Evan, what do you Yeah, going? he had this locked in before he got on the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not telling you which two I'm choosing between, but I'm choosing between two. I'm, I'm gonna have to do single basket all right we're cycling back around the nick you're up so funny enough that's exactly what i'm gonna pick is the single basket all right um this is, i'll get my reasoning after yeah and this is tough because this is where the gamesmanship comes in and i go if i pick what nick picks i don't lose but I want to make sure you read the comments and everyone hates it when you do that. Yes. Everyone <laughs> hates it when I do that. And no matter what I say, if I pick single basket, they'll say, I'm just playing the game. Um, 
but I do feel I mean the other one I'm thinking about is his the the phrase like he has some memorable phrase or something with his wife <laughs> disc golf I don't know does your wife play disc golf occasionally okay occasionally nice. all right I'm not going with the phrase I'm going with the single basket as well all right Terry you're up so if you choose single basket you don't win but no choose um, what you want. I wasn't going to I I was gonna I didn't know that there were just the options I was gonna say I wonder if you would pick like a fairway and have like your favorite hole on a fairway. Anyway, um, I definitely think it's it's going to be a, a phrase or a saying of some sort. I think that's that's where it should be. That's that was my uh, other option. I'm gonna cut in real quick. Those new logos the Pro Tours put out of each event and kind of like a caricature mm-hmm. version. I haven't seen those. Them. Would make sweet tattoos if you were gonna get tattoos. <laughs> Perfect. Or if you wanted like a tattoo of Ganon on your head. <laughs> I mean, he won. Oh, here we get Parsby. Yeah, that's a good point. Good well, part. Good point. Can I say my answer now? Then? Yes, we are yes, interested sir. in your answer. Who wins? Okay. No. For, first off, Evan, sorry, you're skunked. Oh, oh. but so is Nick and Matt. Yeah. Well, not skunked, but wrong. So, I was thinking, you know, those old wristbands everyone wore oh, no, in the it's 90s gonna be a and 2000s mm-hmm. that said like WWJD? Mm-hmm. Mine no. would be WW. BT for what would Barsby throw? No, there you go. Oh no! So Terry ties it up, coming in hot at the end. Okay. (sighs) I see. I thought it was going to be a single basket because it was just you know a single hot air balloon. Yeah, it's just very, very like to the point. I didn't see like Tasmanian Devil either. I like Terry's idea of a fairway, though. I think that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you talked about really being cool. a, a yeah. technical player. That means you probably like wooded fairways and or, you know, a green that's maybe slightly wooded or something like that. I that that. Yeah, that's what if it was uh, open ended. I don't know. Maybe uh, that's what I thought you might get. Yeah. Imagine we made that open ended. and It was like and for you just, bonus have, to points, you just have. have to literally guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 We did that question for a while. We said we nice. did an open ended. Remember, we said we said, um, what was the craziest thing you've ever seen on the disc golf course? And it was just wide open. <laughs> that was like some that. weird stuff. What's up, Ryan? I, I was playing in Oakland one time, okay. Albert, Oakland in Columbia, and I turned the corner and this guy is literally kneading dough to make bread <laughs> while walking around on the course. Come on. Like he, said he, couldn't, he couldn't stop, like leave it at home to knead the bread. So he brought it with him on the course and was kneading. It. Oh, that's oh so obvious. Gosh. You know why? Cause you drive for show and you putt for dough. Putt for dough. Oh, right. oh my God. <laughs> I'm thinking it's like Can't a sensory thing. That was excellent though, Terry. That was perfect. You're good with that stuff, man. <laughs> All right, so we have a tie, and we have to break the tie. And I have a question lined up that's going to be a little bit... It was one that I was going to test the waters with for the show, like the actual questioning, so let's just get right into it. We'll see how this plays out. When was your last tournament round? Um, last month. Okay, okay, good. Uh, really. I think exactly a month ago. Okay, that's good. So you can recall the feelings and the yeah. play and yeah. generally how you performed. Perfect. Here we go. Yeah. Which band best describes your most recent tournament performance? And here's your options. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Disturbed, Fallout Boy, or No Doubt. All right, and for this, I guess we just start over with. Uh, no, Nick just did the last one, so I'll start the tie. No, I think Evan did. Oh, okay, so perfect. Yeah, the I three that are in the playoff. Yeah, I guess. Nick, I guess. Nick I guess. Uh, 
You got it locked in, Ryan. Can red hot, red time? hot chili peppers. Yeah. Okay. Disturbed. <laughs> That's so funny to me. Fallout Boy, or No Doubt. You had to pick one of those got for it. your most. Okay. All right. He's got it. He remembers what his round was. Evan, can you look up the stats for his last? <laughs> okay, Nick, you're yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, I'll go Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay, I am going with... Now, quick question. Are you allowed to answer the same answer? Um, Because it's a tiebreaker. If we do, I'll have to come up with... Yeah, it's true. That's a really good point. So, I, I get Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay, I get Fallout Boy. Is that one you wanted to choose, Terry? Um, Disturbed and No Doubt were the other options? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm I'm good with going... I'll, I'll, I'll be different. I'll go No Doubt. I mean... Okay. Playing 50 points above his rating, he's got to take that down. No doubt. All right. Nick with Red Hot Chili Peppers, myself with Fallout Boy, and Terry with No Doubt. What's the answer, Ryan? It is No Doubt. Oh, I knew out of my hand if I was hitting the, the line or what. It was just No Doubt. <laughs> I thought he was going to say Disturbed for a second. I was going to be like, well, damn, no, that backfired. We all lost. I played pretty well. I tied for second, shot one over both rounds. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, and honestly, Samuel and Josh, those are sandbaggers. So I, I, I think yeah. you won. The dude shot neg seven. He See? was tied for second See? open after round one in intermediate. It's like, all right. No, he shot. He just shot fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed your time on Judge That Disc Golfer. Uh, we're hoping to bring this back more often and you are the first of the season. So you have that claim to fame. If it matters to you, you've been judged Thank on you. the Nick and Matt show and by Tilly, Terry, Tilly, Terry Miller, the disc <laughs> golf guy and Evan Kearns of stat Mando. We hope you appreciated your time. Any shout outs you want to do? Um, no, just the Rolla disc golf club, Rolla, Missouri. Awesome. We're doing good things down here. All there right, everybody. All right. That was Ryan. We appreciate it. Hope you had a good time, and we'll catch you out on the disc golf course maybe someday. Come up and say hi if All you right. see us. Okay. All right. I appreciate Peace it, man. Out. Take it easy. All right. Well, that was fun. I wish I had lined up the judge that disc golf for outro music. I forgot to do that. But what do you think, Terry? Was that fun? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'll quote what every player says every time they win. Oh, such a fun weekend. Such a fun weekend of disc golf. It's always fun when you win. I'm waiting for the first ever interview for somebody to say, I just had a terrible time out there. It just it sucked. Uh, you know, I don't know how I pulled out the win. <laughs> I, I think I think about a Holly Finley I, made I a post. I say that about two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're talking okay. to me. Last week, do that. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. two weeks, uh, uh, sorry, uh, just today I remember flipping through my reels, Holly Finley, has a reel. Congratulations. Shout out to her. She yeah. won the Rumble on the women's side this weekend. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things she said, oh, I had so much fun. Every winner has so much fun. And and they should be. I'm not, I'm not you know, <laughs> ripping on this idea. It's just funny that every winner always has a lot of fun that weekend. And they always love their card yeah. mates, uh, the ones they just whooped. So yeah. congratulations well, to everybody. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can honestly say... I won an A tier last weekend, not this one that just happened, but the one before that. And the first two days were just a miserable, miserable weather. And I luckily shot well because it was not fun. It was horrible. The course was super muddy. The volunteers and everyone else made it a great weekend. I got to see family friends of mine that made it a fun weekend. But playing disc golf that weekend was not necessarily fun until Sunday. But, okay. you know, if you win, it's it's obviously fun. Yeah. It's easier to forget all that other stuff. <laughs>
All right. Exactly. There's a product that the Nick and Matt show uses regularly. And in fact, I'm going to give Terry this product as a gift for being on the show. And I want you to check this out. I'll hand it over the computer here if we can reach. First of all, and this is not weird, smell that and tell me what you think. It may not be your thing. Wait, what kind of podcast yeah. is this? For those, smell that and tell me what you oh, think. Wow. For our listening audience, he's sitting far away. Like, do you generally like that? What do you feel? Are you that citronella, yeah, citronella kind of guy? Yeah, I was going to say citronella, guy? almost a lemon, a lemon yeah. type uh, exactly. lemon scent that I'm getting here. Citradelic, yes. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's an essential mm-hmm. oil that helps calm you. Terry starts falling asleep. Mm. <laughs> this show mm. is really good. Um, but this product, if you rub, <laughs> now it's going to get weird if you rub it on your fingers and <laughs> feel the enhancement, the grip enhancement. <laughs> and we have Snapstick. This is the same product in a chapstick container. Snapstick, I think this is one of the best products out there for grip enhancement. Terry, if you're getting it on your fingers a little bit and you're, do you feel like that's enhancing your grip? Without a disc in hand. Yeah, I was just trying to think if I want my lips to be sticky, though. <laughs> I'm getting confused here. Yes. Uh, so how if, we're cross-promoting this. If we, Exactly. So should I be eating this? Take a bite. No. <laughs> <laughs> then your sweat becomes grippy. But enhanced your grip. Uh, we always say, like, use the birdie bags, use whatever, right? The whale sacks, all those things that dries your hands. This enhances the grip. Um, so we're going to give you uh, that product in a package so it doesn't have to be out of the package like that. Mm. And... We've experienced, I can speak for myself, that it works well in almost any condition, including rain. Uh, I tried it out on this hot, humid weekend up here in New England just two days ago, and I was happy with it. Um, It's really excellent for giving the confidence that you need and the extra spin. Even intern Ben said he's throwing further with it. Uh, Nick, what do you think? I love it. I mean, I've been using it almost every single week. Most of my stuff is actually almost out. The... uh mini that i have is actually very it's not it's not almost out in a sense but like it's very deformed you can tell certain areas that i don't know just where i have it in my bag and where i'll put my hands on it it's actually pretty deformed now so (laughs) it still has a lot of life left to it but it definitely doesn't look like a mini we've got more if you need it and so does dg max wax go to the dgmaxwax.com or visit your local pro shop if they have it purchase it there make sure you Mm -hmm. shout out dg max wax saying thanks to nick and matt Use the code D, uh, Nick and Matt, you get 10% off. Uh, leave them a Google review, all the good stuff, and you'll be helping out a small startup. All right, we've made it to this time in the show. We're fitting in a lot, a lot of fun. We're going to have more conversations. Um, in fact, let's go ahead and get into stat or fiction, if I'm quick enough to pull it up here. Again, we're sorry that Ben is sick and he's out of studio. It's making me do all this work, but here we go, stat or fiction. Stat or Fiction, presented by Stat Mando. All right, here's another game, Terry. I got to get rid of the points. Oh, actually, hold on. We can just keep this on, on running on here. Like, he's got a one-stroke advantage. Let's see. That's... Yeah, do you, do you want to put my <laughs> points up there as well next to my name, or is that not <laughs> yeah. necessary? Uh, yeah, Zero? I think they're there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can't see them. But... Oh, man. I need to get better at Judge That Disc Golfer. I just... It's it, I, I'm not good at it, but he, I, I'm glad I can set the stage for somebody else to win. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, there you go. And so team player. let's yeah, exactly. Let's get into this. Um, Gannon Burr took down Masters Cup. He first Silver Series win of his career. Uh, and with that, there have now been as many unique Silver Series winners as Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite Series winners, unique winners in MPO. 
One so. more time for for me the slow for the year or for ever? oh that's a great question ever which is yeah okay. that's why I'm getting to it uh, mm-hmm. Silver Series started in 2020 Elite Series of Disc Golf Pro Tour started the Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite events let me say it that way started in 2016 so there have been as many unique players to win a Silver Series in MPO as there have been unique players to win a Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite event in MPO. So if you take okay. all the winners for both the like Silver Series and Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite, there's the exact same number of players. Nick, you're even first. Even though there's less events. Stat. Nick says stat. I say fiction. That was pretty quick. I'm just feeling it. What do you think, Terry? That sounds like fiction to me. Terry says fiction. What is the answer, Evan? That was the quickest we've ever done. That was so speedy. Uh, this is fiction. Uh, Perfect. There are a lot more Silver Series unique winners, especially sometimes, you know, not as strong of fields. You can get more uh, winners who might not win an elite event like Dan uh, uh, Schlitter last year. I always get confused saying that, but I got it right. Uh, there have been 18 total yeah. unique winners in Disc Golf Tour elite events, and there have been 12 in Silver Series for MPO. Uh, FPO is kind of similar numbers. I forget the exact same, but it's still a pretty sizable lead, but... I Nick, don't, what, what were you thinking? And I, I don't mean that offensively. I just mean like, no, what, no, what, no, what no, were you dumb? Yeah, so, what were yeah, your thoughts? So, yeah, why am I losing, <laughs> yeah. loser? Um, yeah. No, honestly, the way he said the question, he okay. sounded super, super excited about it. And so I was like, oh, it's like he found a really yeah. cool stat. And so it just, if anything, right. Evan played me. You're so. playing the game. I see. Yeah, that's yeah. what I try to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah exactly. that was my goal Honestly, I put no thought into thinking of... <laughs> Why? Yeah, that's probably my, but which is why my record is crap now. But yeah, it would anyways. be a really cool stat if it was true. Only being the third year of Silver Series <laughs> yeah. after seven now, yeah, it'd elite, be crazy. Elite events. And yeah. I do think it'll happen. Maybe not this year, I th- but I, I think, think it'll happen eventually. Next You're year. right. Yeah, yeah. we will have more because yeah. you got to think if if Russ Elite season, we might not see another new winner. Uh, we see Ricky win more, Chris Dickerson, Eagle Man, Kyle Klein could come out and win an event. Yep. Uh, Simon mm-hmm. could come back and win an event. Uh, but Silver Series is just so easy to have all these new winners. Um, yeah. So, especially as the season gets on and people might. I mean, notice. Albert, Gannon. All right, I need to catch yeah, up Chris. on Terry. I need to start yeah. changing my answers. All right. So, uh, sticking with winner Gannon Burr and also the FPO winner at the Masters Cup, Sarah Hokum. Stat or fiction number two is Sarah Hokum has more career wins than Gannon Burr has events played. And those are any division from all PDGA sanctioning events. Sarah Holcomb has more career wins than Gannon Burr has events played. Of all time for Gannon Burr, even when he was a junior, you're saying. Yeah, like all any divisions. Event he's ever played. World and, champion and, junior. So if if I looked up, I'm just clarifying, if I looked up Gannon, it said he played 120 rounds. You're saying that. Events. Uh, events, sorry. Thank yep. you. Okay, uh, I'm going to say that's fiction. You're up, Terry. Um. Again, so Gannon Burr's amount of tournaments versus Sarah Hokum's wins. Total wins. Yeah. So stat would be Sarah Hokum yep. has more events played than Burr has wins. Uh, I would. S- so now you really Wait, just confused. I, I, I switched it around there. I was just say, <laughs> Wait a minute. Am I don't stupid let, or did you just don't, confuse don't me? Don't make Evan repeat himself. That is it probably, usually doesn't work. I would assume that is true. So the stat or fiction, the true one is uh, career wins for Sarah Hokum. Versus events played for Gannon Burr. I'm thinking that uh, I don't know if I share it, but yeah, I man, I'm gonna have to say Gannon has more rounds play or tournaments played, played yep. 
then Sarah has And that's wins. fiction, right? That would be fiction, yeah. Dang okay, it. so fiction. We're going to still stay tied. Or Nick catches up. So, funny enough, when we had Gannon on, I was going through PDGA and just mm-hmm. looking up his PDGA, just kind of like seeing his years. And I think he's been a member since 2015. And so now I'm thinking, okay, that's seven years of membership. When he was younger, he was probably playing on average five to seven events per year. And so then I'm thinking, okay, that's potentially 25 to 30 events so far. And then now the last two years, yada, yada, yada. Sarah's an OG. So just now that I've completely complicated my head, if I say stat, I'm saying Sarah has more wins than Gannon has events played, right? That's correct. Yes. Okay. I also need to gain a point on these guys oh, no. and so i'm gonna sacrifice my record a little bit i'm gonna say stat our listeners hate you sort of the chat they hate it's, it. it's more so like i i mean you know i it's more than likely i'm honestly it's like 90 percent fiction 10 percent yeah. stat but at the same yeah. time like it could be you, you, you know, know you gotta make you gotta try could to make be. a move i'll compare it to this nick you're down by a stroke going into hole 17 you're going for the ace run or park yeah. job even if it's not the smart play Treat it exactly. Like that, well, fans, no matter what, like but why is Evan smiling halfway? Uh, well, so I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If <laughs> I know if, why, if I pick fiction, if I pick fiction, no matter what, I can't beat it's Terry. It's true. It's gameplay. I get it. So yeah. I obviously you have play. to slightly do the game. This play. is match yeah, play. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Evan, give it to I us. I cheated. Okay. I know the answer. Now. Oh, he knows well, the answer. <laughs> this is stat. All right, uh, let's go. <laughs> so, all that reasoning worked in your favor. Uh, Sarah yeah. Open has ninety-five career wins. I believe that's ninety-three in FPO too. So, um, Ganimber has eighty-one career events played. Okay, okay, is that the last question, or is there one more? There is one more. All right, so this is going to be the do or die because because Terry won judge that disc golf. He has a one-point lead on Nick and myself. All right, give it to us, Evan. All right, we. Are hopping over to my classic, maybe slightly complicated, bringing in another Perfect. sport. Perfect. Uh, but I'm doing it. It was it, it, Celtics got me hyped. So okay, when the Boston Celtics won their most recent NBA championship, Nate Doss and Valerie Jenkins were the reigning PDGA World Champions. Uh, uh, I know we're gonna make Terry go first, anyways, because that's who's up. So go Terry. What? You said when they won it, they were the reigning world champions. When the Celtics won their most recent NBA championship, Doss and Jenkins were the reigning PDGA world champions. Is reigning, is that the same as current? The current at that second, yes. So then that would be 2007. Okay, well, that's the year. But so were were they? Oh, were they? Were they the reigning champions during... When the Celtics had their last championship win. Oh, I have no idea when the Celtics. <laughs> so he knows 2007 now. Does Larry Bird still play <laughs> for them? I, I'm going to be in a similar boat to you, Terry, but what do you think? You're going to have um, to roll the dice. 2007 then being when you would think the Celtics would have their last win. That's an incredibly specific question. So I'm going to say yes. They were the reigning world champions. We put, oh, dang it. I was going to say, we put up this on purpose for Evan. We said, give us an easy one. Terry's going to have no idea. (laughs) All right, Nick, you're Robert Parrish, was he there? Yeah. So, (laughs) Pistol Pete. So, I kind of have to, because I think they won in 08-09. The NBA season was in 08 or 09. Well, like, continuing, it was the 08-09 season. And so then I'm thinking, if they technically won in 2009, when was the World Championships that year? Because 
Nate won Good in point. 2008, right? <clears throat> Avery Jenkins won in 2009. So it all depends on when Worlds was that year. Well, this is yeah, so now, it depends on how many facts, right? Because Nate, Nate didn't Nate. win exactly. in 08. It, he didn't win in 08? No, Dave Felberg did. I thought, With a score of 99 oh, so, under par. Wait, was this so Nate, Nate was 5, 7, and 11, uh, right? My, was Nate 5, 7, and he 11? He was 5, 7, and 11. Okay, all right. Then, okay. For some odd reason, I thought Dave Felberg was five, but that makes way more sense. Five, seven, eleven. All right. Um, okay. So now, now I, if I'm saying fiction, does that mean. If you say fiction. Oh, what wait. You're we saying, were fictioning things or statting things? Dang it. I don't if know. If you say fiction, yeah. what you're saying is when the Celtics won, whenever that was, that Nate Doss and <laughs> Valerie Jenkins together were not the reigning champions. One of them could have been, or none of them. But not both. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go fiction then because I do not think they I, were both reigning champions at the same time as the yeah, that's what you're NBA to championships happened. This is yes. awesome. I love this. I, I'm going to so much yeah. to it. Except for I'm I don't going, know anything about basketball. Well, so I remember Other watching that, it. I mean, great. it was against the Lakers and then they went back a couple years reasons. later and then they lost. And then, I'm like, okay. All right. Go ahead. I went fiction for obvious reasons. We're trying to <laughs> oh. like scam the system here. Let's see what happens. You're running the island on Maple Hill. A whole 18. Try to get it. Let's go. So. This is Stats. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 So, was it 07 right or 08? Was it 07, 08, or 08, 09? It when was they won? 07, 208. The championship was in 2008. That's what it, it was. was before yeah. the world championships that year, where Dave Felberg took down along with Valerie Jenkins getting her second. Yep. In 2007, it, Terry had it perfectly <laughs> correct because uh, that guy is a dictionary who just happens to breathe. Um, and Nate Doss and Valerie Jenkins were the winners from the previous year being august of 2007 uh the celtics yep. won on june 17th in 2008 uh two months later on august 16th 2008 that's when dave uh won wow so i got my years wrong of the nba and that's why i was like i couldn't remember if it was all i do is win are we about to get copy written no, as long as you only play like, you know, three or four seconds, oh, you're fine. Not right, demonetized. <laughs> demonetized. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's our payment to Terry. We demonetize, yeah, you know. All right. When so, do you guys send that super chat to me? Yeah. By the way, I, I need that to, need that to go. Oh, okay. That, that, was for, that was for winning both games, actually. <laughs> wow. That was incredible, Terry. I, you know, I just had a lot of fun with it and uh, <laughs> just had a great weekend. Just a the really good in the weekend. Card were great. You know, my, my card mates were great. All my competitors were just great. That's it so fun yeah, to whoop them. funny. OK, um, <laughs> let's do this. Uh, double G craft jerky. This. Yeah, this is why Terry came on the show. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do a little roulette here and I'm going to pull out some jerky out of this bag. And it is Garlic Lover's Dream. Ooh. That sounds amazing. Sounds right amazing right now. I'm going to crack it open. Mm. If you use the code Nick and Matt, they'll throw a gift in with your order. Did you know that, Terry? Use that code. You get a nice oh little gift God. with your Seriously? order. Seriously? Yeah, you get to eat wax. <laughs> you get to wax, eat. wax? Okay. <laughs> this is it right here, the packaging, Garlic Lover's Dream. Let me hand this over to Evan. Oh, nice. That is a loaded pack of flavor. I'll tell you that right now. Evan, have you ever had this flavor? I have not. This is going to be my first bite. Give us your, lovers. yeah, and we'll get back to you. Tell us how you think and it tastes. And as a garlic lover, this is my dream. <laughs> oh, I, I see what you did there. Mm, okay. The flavor right now is everything I wanted. <laughs> oh. So Terry's loaded up. You know he what can show I do. The camera. This is my own bag? You know what I do? 
Look at that. I hot bring the sauce. hot boom sauce. That's what hot I do. Boom sauce. This flavor mm. is boom saucing my mouth, even though it's Whoa. not the boom sauce version. They have the Mc- hot boom sauce is way too hot for me. <laughs> they have the McBeast barbecue. That's their best seller, but they have original hot boom sauce, teriyaki, smash crack pepper, garlic lover's dream, Paul's max weight, Nate Sexton's sweet and spicy, and they've even talked about and teased maybe, I don't know if this is going to be Terry's favorite, but mushroom jerky. Could be flavorful. What makes Double G unique? He comes from his humble beginnings, from a large family. He's been making jerky since he was 16. They use a special cut of brisket. You can see that on screen, this um, ad loop running. They give money to a charity. Every purchase goes towards that. Um, they have players packs. You can get this retail in your store. Jerry, uh, Jerry, <laughs> I'm saying Jerry, Jerky, Double Jerky, Terry Miller, Disc Golf Guy, whoever we're talking about. Is this a product that you enjoy yourself, Terry? Get, and you're getting paid stop, nothing for this. Stop right now. This is too <laughs> dang good. Yeah, I literally eat hot boom sauce. Oh, it's so I wish good. I was getting paid to say this, and I'm not. I just eat I'll jerky. pay you something. Venmo. Um, no, seriously, I have it all the time. I always post on Instagram about it. I absolutely do love it. Uh, I have worked with Double G and mm. with his business partners over there. Next week, mm, that's so hot. Next weekend, <laughs> um, I'm running a tournament. Every single person there in my go. tournament is getting that's uh, what I'm this, about. their choice of Double G nice. jerky. They get so any of this and I put my and... put my money where my mouth is, or there. I don't know how that works with this, but yeah, it is. It is truly delicious. I love hot boom sauce. I like. The uh, the uh, the garlic that you guys are eating, smash cracked pepper. I really like. I like all the flavors, but boom sauce. That's that's where that's where it's at. If you uh, like it hot, I do think you made a smart move for the players packs because as a yep. player that's been playing tournaments for a long time, I have more disc than I'll never throw. Mm-hmm. But when I get the jerky in my player pack during the round, I crack it open. I feel like it was value well spent or received. However you want to look at that. Again, Nick and Matt will get you a special gift with your order. And besides that, it shows that you support both Double G, the Children's Foundation, and the Nick and Matt Show, and Terry Miller on the road is his favorite snack. Mm-hmm. We got to make sure. I don't think we brought this up to Gannon, but we got to make sure if Gannon likes beef jerky because he was a guest on the show. We got to hook him. We up do got to well. hook him up because so Terry's already hook hooked up. Afterwards. So we got to hook up. Exactly. Got to hook up. Gannon. Yeah. Do you have more of that? Do you eat it all? Oh, it's all gone. <laughs> there's a little crumb. There's a, no. There's a little crumb in there. That's all I need because I can't talk nice. and eat anyways. Yeah. How, what do you think of it? Because I, I, you said this was your first time. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I got a mouthful of it. Mm-hmm. We like, all have mouthfuls of uh, jerky. <laughs> it's not spicy, but like I'm feeling like just the like cracked that, pepper almost. Yeah, there's a little bit of a pepper background to the garlic, so it's not just like you're dumping garlic in your mouth. Like it's a good mm-hmm. blend of garlic with the pepper, with just the savory jerkiness, you know. It tastes like a jerk. Jerky. Yeah. Okay. It's amazing. <laughs> the show is just gone. Go get some. Yeah. Down. It's like we're all just chewing on Yeah, jerky. everybody's ears. Guys, this jerky is <laughs> yeah, so <I'm> good. <laughs> it isn't. But it, it is really fantastic. it is. And okay. if you do like really hot and spicy, I, I know I say it all the time. I'm a big jalapeno fan. I put jalapenos on everything. Um, mm. The boom sauce is awesome. I actually take the pepper flakes that are in the bottom of the Come bag. On. No joke. I will take that, and then I'll mix that with something else that I might be making at home. I'll just Ooh. recycle them. I'll just Genius. pour the bag right into We, we got to oh. check this guy for being a psycho. Yeah. That's uh, no, Nick's not into the spice. <laughs> no, Nick's not into the hot boom sauce. <laughs> that's so not psycho. Like, I 
That sounds awesome. Uh, for for Christmas, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, but I got uh, red pepper flakes, or not even red pepper flakes, different pepper flakes. Yes. So I got so many assortments now, and they are so good. Like, pepper flakes are where it's at. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Pizza, like, that's a classic that people yes. do. Oh, I love it. So pizza. good. Okay, now we're getting off the topic. So I want to steal hungry. that idea. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We've talked about Anyways, putting go, hot sauce yeah. on the jerky, Terry. Like a nice, oh, like garlicky hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. let's do it. Okay, after show. <laughs> All right, which there we don't go. do here. Uh, we enjoy yours, but we don't do that here. All right, um, we're getting close to the end, but we have a lot to accomplish and fit in here. So we're going to kind of give you some, uh, not full interview questions, just maybe general reactions. The first one you kind of brought up. You said you called out Nico once on one of your shows for not called him out. You asked him a question about you know, taking his time while he throws just like you did with Gannon. But I remember it probably was a little bit of a chore to line up Nico for the interview because I'll tell you from the Nick and Matt show, he turned us down. He said, "Hmm, I'll think about it. And then that night he showed up on Smashbox, which is fantastic. You got the interview. And I remember clearly at one point he went off screen and you all wondered what was happening. And he came back with some (laughs) clown psycho mask on his head and he performed the interview that way. What was your general thought in that moment? Like, cause that's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, you know, and, and yeah, as you kind of set it up, it just, I had, I'd, I'd very bluntly asked him and just said, Hey, you know, you exceed 30 seconds and, and overall, and he left camera and, and he came back with this mask on and, um, his big, so what was your thought on that? Like what is going on? Or I like- mean, yeah, we were just laughing. Um, you know, his, it was part of his overall response and, you know, I feel like he kind of dodged, uh, honestly, kind of still yeah. dodged the question. And and then he came back with an interesting, when he did answer it, he said, you know, to all the haters out there and the keyboard warriors, get better, get on my card, and then yeah. call me on the 30 seconds. <laughs> right. And I still, to this day, don't think that's exactly like a, a legitimate response, <laughs> but that was his version. And, um, you know, that that's that's how he did it. So it is what it is. I mean... We're glad he joins us. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. 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 He had an invite, but I'm glad he chose you in the end because <laughs> I would have been like the clown. I don't know how I would have reacted. It was a fantastic moment. All right. Here's another one. How do you have such a dedicated audience over at Smashbox? I see $50 super chats on the regular. It's not about the money I know, but when someone drops $50 bills, it says something. So how did you get that audience? Um. <clears throat> I, I don't know. We're just, we're really, honestly, I don't think we get them as often as, as you think we do. Uh, <laughs> Come on now. Um, but yeah, we're just, we're really blessed. You know, we got a lot of people that, I think the people that do sign up for us really know what they're getting, which is a very laid back, very non-structured. You guys are killing it with the structure. We're non-structured. We're very laid back. Depends on your and, definition of killing. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys have segments, and that's something okay, we cool. started with, and then yeah. eventually just kind of went away with them. We may do that too, and, Sarah. <laughs> um, it's great because uh, there's so many people that feel like they're just have listening, or they're almost in on a conversation with us, and yeah. it's laid back and casual. Sometimes we're accused of being too casual and not asking tough enough questions. But we're also not out to make anyone angry or upset or or grill people. We're not hard-hitting journalism. I'll occasionally ask a, a tough question if I have to, but we're not out to make somebody feel uncomfortable and or really challenge them. We're trying to have everybody have a good time uh, all within reason. So <laughs> I, I think our viewers just know what they're getting into, and some sign off. They're like, 
hey, that show goes way too long. We don't care who you're having or what you're doing. We're not signing on. It's like, you know, there's a pause button, but that's fine. Um, yeah. We're not, we can't, You just like everybody, you yes. can't be everything to everybody. No, exactly. There's, and I'll say this, and I know that someone listening right now is just like clapping and loves it. They're like, yeah, we don't like Matt, but we still listen because we like Nick and Evan. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm okay. I, I, I do too. I like it. <laughs> I agree with that sentiment. That's so funny. Okay. People say you're a legend. And I mean, I've seen this in posts all over, uh, whether it's made it on Disc Golf Pro Tour, social media, or others. They say you're a legend. I feel similarly. How do you feel when you hear or read that in the public space? Uh, of course, I'm I'm honored that anyone thinks of me favorably. I mean, there's there's a lot of online chatter and discussion all the time. And whether you're newer or older, you may or may not realize how long I've been around and longevity doesn't, doesn't guarantee me anything. I'm not suggesting that. Um, but what I really do mean is some people, it's hard to read stupid things when people are like, Oh, Terry had, plays disc golf or played once or has any idea what he's talking about. And, and again, what I say to that is I, I thankfully found disc golf when I was like 12 or 13, that was almost exactly 30 years ago. And before I had left college, I was running tournaments, PDGA sanctioned tournaments. I was, you know, starting a disc golf club at the college, which was in, you know, very unique at the time. I was running leagues and le and tournaments and designing courses. And I had a huge lengthy background in disc golf career in all of those things, plus playing and then didn't find media until 2010. So you know, I, I know there's a lot of recency bias about, you know, how, how long have you known, you know, this person or what they've been involved with. I just, it, it's annoying to hear when people say, I just, I have no idea. You can disagree with what I'm saying, but to say <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about uh, or because I haven't won an A tier in the last 10 years, like, uh, I don't think that disqualifies me, no. but I, I'm truly humbled by anyone that likes or appreciates any efforts that I give. If you like, if you chuckle along with me on my dumb jokes, good for you. If you don't, do. I'm going to still make them anyway. No, I, so, do. I do chuckle. I, I appreciate that. Uh, that's funny. So, okay, that's a great answer there. You actually talked about some of what I was going to ask you. I was going to say, hey, you throw aces on your days off or your once every year rounds. I was going to say, tell us about your disc golf background. So answer a little bit more in this vein, just for fun. Uh, how good were you? Like, what was your best rating? How often did you play, like, before we knew you in media? Yeah, I played a ton. I People have, some people have no idea. I played 40 weekends a year. Wow, yeah. You know, and at the wow. time, there wasn't a sanctioned tournament every weekend. So you might see 18 or 20 sanctioned tournaments on my, you mm -hmm. know, in my history from 2000 or 1998. But if there wasn't a, a sanctioned tournament, it was no big deal to go play an unsanctioned tournament. There wasn't quite... The mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't the availability for starters, and then um, unsanctioned tournaments were just as much fun, if not more. You had a lot of doubles tournaments, you had glow tournaments that I either plan or, or, or played in or ran. So, mm -hmm. all of my background, you know, was playing in all those events. I really had a mentality of if there's a tournament in Wisconsin, I'll play it. If there's not, look in Indiana, Illinois, or, or Michigan. And if there's still not one that we'll travel to or could find, then I would be like, oh, I'll just run one. And so I'd run an unsanctioned <laughs> tournament and put that together in a matter of weeks. And um, so that was very much how I handled 10, 10 years probably of, of, you know, the age of, uh, I don't know, 19 into my, you know, mid twenties. 
And I think 2007 is around where I technically peaked uh, ratings wise. Uh, I was, I think, 995. I don't think go. I know I was. Uh, I, I won't pretend yeah. like I didn't yeah. know. I Simon knew. says people yeah. act like they don't care, <laughs> but they do. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they do. I was 995. And, and I know this sounds a little, I don't know how this, it, whatever. When we talked with Eric McCabe and we were on one of those other podcasts a few years ago, he's like, 995 though in 2007? Like, if True. you had Great today's point. inflation of, of disc golf, that's like a thousand fifteen, maybe, yeah, thousand ten, thousand fifteen ish. That's where I think I would have stacked up against today's, you that's, know, that's average a great rating. Perspective insight, yeah. And uh-huh. and some people may say, oh, well, you're just silly and you're making it. Well, there was only a few dozen people or a few hundred people that were rated over a thousand, yeah. and so ratings yeah. were a very different world. And I'm not complaining about them; they were just different. I think if you did, you know, use a little t- of today's inflation, I don't know, maybe we could run some stats on that, but. uh that could yeah, be interesting. I, Stat inflation. Yeah. yeah I, I, and maybe, maybe that's the just different propagators <laughs> and the different courses and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. totally. There's I mean, so many different propagators now. I was playing worlds when it was nine rounds. You know, you'd play mm-hmm. two rounds a day for four straight days. You'd have a I semifinals in the morning and you'd have a final nine on Saturday afternoon. Like, that used yeah. to be how Worlds was played. So Watch out. You talk about ratings, Chuck shows up. I know. Chat. You just say it three yeah. times, and he's here. All right. Yeah. We actually interviewed him as one of our shows, and I will go on record as saying I was very happy he came on to talk, but we have never, and I don't mean this negatively, we have never had an interview like that or a show like that ever since. That guy, take that for what it's worth. Go listen to it. He knows what he's talking about, and he's, we thought he was fairly political. I'll say this, and I don't mean political as in, like, government-wise. I mean, like, We'd be like, so tell us, like, do the ratings get skewed? Is there inflation? And he was like, nah, I'd kind of beat around the bush. Well, how do I answer this yeah. without an answer? But, yeah. but really interesting. Yeah. And I want to say also, since you come on our show, all of a sudden we're starting to get $50 super chats. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, we'll give it the 30. That's the half. half yeah. Jonathan, half. I love you. For Terry. So now we got us in the Venmo. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the most inefficient way to get money to Terry. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. so it, it uh, yeah. Just button all that up. It was I, I was a decent player. I was very much a regional player. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think I've won 20 or so tournaments, but a lot of, you know, C tiers, B tiers. There were times I was running a C tier or a B tier and then I would TD it and I'd win it as well. Uh, not like that was often, but that happened a couple of times, that type of stuff. I had a, a few really solid events against the like of Brian Schweberger and and uh, and uh, some of his travel crew way back in in uh, many years ago so yeah and um yeah very fortunate that i was once a a decent player (laughs) all right last question you can answer it you can't you can just keep that a mystery if you could estimate how many discs do you have in your collection (laughs) grand total and now a few a couple thousand could literally just be sold tomorrow and it and it would not personally affect me in terms of uh attachment to them right so like <laughs> just like stock discs yeah, yeah let's just use that term yeah. truly stock discs a brand new disc that well not the kelvin destroyers i just bought or the sex and firebirds but like a true stock disc i could probably get rid <laughs> of two thousand of them yes i just got some of those yeah <laughs> i probably when it's all said and done i probably have about ten thousand What's 10. your vault password? <laughs> well, he's given the yeah, tour. Exactly. A few Where times. is your storage container? I've got, I've got multiple. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of frisbees. What do you think your most expensive disc is worth? If you were to say like it's, it's tough to put a price tag 
let me rephrase that. Sure. What's the most valuable disc? Like if you were to say, if someone really knew what this disc was worth, this is the disc, like a 15, Nate Sexton Firebird. Or yeah, something like I've that. got a couple of those. Um, you know, I had a really rare, it still is, one of 14, um, white on white embossed USDGC rock from 07. Mm. And I know there was a pair of them. There's only 14 that existed. Two of them sold for like 800 and 900 a piece. And I held on to mine because I'm a hoarder and I should have sold it. I've got that, you know, Macbeth special buzz, white, something or other buzz. Um, that's probably, yep. you know, five, six, seven hundred bucks. Um, and just a ton of Firebirds. I, you know, any given one disc, yeah, I, I would have to think in that seven, eight, nine hundred, maybe a thousand dollar range. Yeah. I mean, and, and we all know some of those discs prices can be wildly uh temperamental i mean there's a lot mm -hmm. of discs that i could have sold for top dollar at one point that i was like eh, i'll just hold on to it and mm -hmm. yeah, in some most... ways that's gone down <laughs> yeah what's your most sentimental disc oh uh i would i would have to say there's a lot of them but one in particular it's it's a lightning disc it's a mm -hmm. corsair and i bought when i bought my first two discs ever it was a Lynx by Innova, a huge Innova Lynx, which is like a Condor size, because the lady at Played Again Sports said, you know, this is most like a, a Frisbee. It was, my, I, mean, yeah, I was like yeah. 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I bought with it a red Lightning Corsair. And Lightning, you know, had the airplane theme for all of their discs. And mm -hmm. I bought that for my girlfriend. And her and I went out and played with a, my Lynx and her, her Corsair disc. And eventually that Corsair was handed to my best friend. And then he played, he got hooked, and then he bought his first disc. So that Corsair was handed to my next wow. best friend and the next friend and the next friend. That disc was probably in the hands of, you know, 75 or 100 people as wow. their first round. Nice. And then once they were hooked, Very cool. it went out and... You know, it it got passed on to the next person. So, yeah. uh, to me, when you, if you're talking truly sentimental, yeah, I, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. knowing wow. it was you know one of the first discs I ever purchased, and then the seed it planted for so many friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I I I can't imagine a disc has done more, you know, to get more more one disc has done more to get more people involved with disc golf than that disc. That's really cool. Story. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, this is the time, Nick, where we get into the segment that Ben usually intros for us, and I'm going to give my yeah. best go at it. <laughs> Disc, you're a discussion. All right, Nick, what are we talking about today? So we're going to talk about, because it's such a big thing, every single weekend and week out for the Disc Golf Pro Tour, Silver Series, or Elite Series, courses are changing in the sense of we just finished up at De La Viega and then the golf course, and now they're going over to OTB Open, which is on a golf course, and it's not a part of three course. So discure discussion tonight what are your favorite courses that are being played on the road right now and why i'll make and it i think simple. terry will have a really yeah. really i'm really curious on terry's answers just because he's seen all, probably a majority of these courses in person i for one have not seen a lot of these in person but discure discussion yeah. i'll start it up okay my favorite course to watch to play and all around just love the design of it is Fox Run Meadows in Vermont. Okay. And we'll just like keep going around once or twice here. I'm going to say Toboggan. I think I've never been there, but watching mm -hmm. it, I appreciate the coverage of the whole styles. I don't, again, I haven't played there, but I think just to me, Toboggan. 
uh, would be a great course. I like seeing it, and I'd like to also play it someday. Uh, let's go to Terry. What do you think? What's one of the courses that's your favorite on tour? Um, yeah, I've, I've been at every Elite Series course um, in person at one time or another. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> Maple Hill is on top of the list. That that, that mm-hmm. one feels like the no-brainer. Uh, I'm going to cheat a little, and I'm going to say I, I think people are going to be blown away by what they see in Norway, and that's on the Elite Silver Series. But the PCS Sula has two courses in Norway, one in Alisun mm-hmm. uh, and um, one in Vestnes, and I've seen both of those, once in 2013 and once in 2019. And I think people are really going to like uh, what they see over in Vestness. That's a, a beautiful course literally in wow. someone's backyard with a fjord behind it. Like you're literally wow. looking out over a fjord. It's it's pretty incredible. So I know that one cheats a little bit, but I'll say that one's incredible. And then, again, if you're looking at Silver Series, if you're including Silver Series within this conversation, yep. Yep. look at Milo. I mean, every yeah. person will tell you Milo is just one of the most majestic-looking feeling vibes auras atmosphere and overall scenery i I played there in worlds in 2014 and then i filmed a ton of times there throughout the years i think i think that's probably the hands down favorite out of all the courses that i think about on the tour um yeah milo milo takes the cake before yeah, I was before say, you go evan, like just really really jump. quick yeah yeah, yeah. before <laughs> you go evan sorry to cut you it's off okay. boy I'm going to throw my best friend under the bus oh, no. and say that Paul Macbeth thinks Milo is such an overrated course. And he like tells me, he tells my me different like Paul reasons Macbeth. why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's funny because we haven't been on the show in a while and well, you know, I've got to change for a while. We got to pay him, yeah, with, exactly. pay him more money. You know, and I, I, you know, I'm sure I'll get a text message later being like, dang dude, why'd you do that? But <laughs> no, uh, it's just funny when it, cause I was that? originally planning on going out to Oregon this year. And then uh, with the way, <laughs> with the way flights are right now, it's just so stupidly expensive to get anywhere. And I don't think it's a viable decision to go out there right now, but it's still in the works. But anyways, that course to me looks like an absolute dream and i don't care what anyone says about it i still want to go out there because it does when i see it like that's probably one of my favorite courses to watch on coverage nick goes so, i don't anyways. care what paul Macbeth says <laughs> i think it's a great yeah, i course. still want to go play it like <laughs> i i don't i don't care to like when i see people's rollaways at daylight it makes me never want to play that course but at the same time i want to play it just because of how like yeah. revered it is and how cool it's been in the game and everything like that like i would love to go play that tournament just to play it but anyways it's so expensive to travel out west right now that's one of the only courses that have touch and angle control left in our tour yeah yeah i know i just believe me i I would yeah which one are you talking about milo or oh just the the whole conversation about de la rolls and then um oh oh yeah you're saying what hunter Hunter thomas was like uh maybe it's time for this to be off tour if this is what we're celebrating and paul said uh this is one of the last few courses that have uh angle control and touch kind of with yeah. it where then hunter took it right to the chin and was like yep I, i'll take your yep. opinion over mine that, that uh, totally makes sense to. and that's that's also why i would love to play that because i'm clearly not a big distance thrower and so playing a course where maybe i get to throw more fairways and more buzzes to me that's that's an incredible feeling i love doing that i feel like i'm pretty good at it so I would like to do that, but at the same time, I don't want to watch my disc roll 500 feet into a different fairway and 
you know? Yeah. Before, <laughs> I feel like I'd be heartbroken. Before I get into mine, I, I think it it's so crucial for the longevity of this sport and tour to have different types of courses. We saw how, like, if we have too many really open disc golf courses on a, a traditional ball golf course, just how redundant that can get. It's so important to have mixes. It's great to have events on ball, cor- ball golf courses. Yeah. It's great to have uh, wooded courses. It's great to have really short and technical courses like Dela. I think Dela needs to stay on as a silver series or something like that. But then it's awesome that we go straight from that event, which also played on a ball golf course the final day, to then going into um, OTB Open at Swenson Swenson Park, Swenson uh, Golf Course. What's I don't Swenson, um, <laughs> where it's really open shots. They didn't have a lot of OB, and you're just throwing far, but still you know technical, but just totally different style than you are playing at Dela. I think that's awesome. Uh, but okay. getting into mind, give it. Um, I, I I can't not rate Maple Hill number one. Right. Smugs is great as well. Both those courses. I we were just talking about it. I'm also going to say Milo. But what I would say is, if that course, if the pavement holes, which are kind of islands, if those were water, I think it would be the most picturesque mm-hmm. course that we have. It doesn't have a ton of elevation. It doesn't kind of have that like open ace run hole that a lot of people love like hole eight in maple hill hole six at jonesboro hole 16 in emporia mm-hmm. country club um it is missing that but the greens at milo are so spectacular my favorite kinds of holes are holes that go from maybe a wooded tee shot to you know opening but maybe still technical then entering a green being a wooded protected green and milo does a really mm-hmm. good job of having multiple shots like that mm-hmm. uh, i've never been there i'm super jealous uh stat mando's meeting up there with hans and dion in a couple <laughs> of weeks now and i'm not able to be out there i want to check out that property and really see how all the holes feel because yeah. my one slight uh kind of knock against it is it has some memorable holes but i feel like the whole course isn't it's, it's hard to put it all together i kind of get mixed up especially being an east and a west 36 total holes it can kind of get confusing where i think courses i mean i've played it a lot so maybe that comes into it but maple hill it's just so memorable there's so many different types of shots that it really sticks out to you and i'm going to give one last final shout out to i the my favorite course that i've seen is tampere 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 again yeah again (laughs) european names get me um but uh gatekeeper put out some coverage uh that was filmed by uh one of the european companies it, it was amazing to watch that. I think it could use some like sprucing up, um, but they did a few holes where there was just mulch fairways. The trees out there are amazing. And they did a really good mm-hmm. job having protected greens from ground shots where they would put up kind of log, maybe cement things uh, kind of like Idlewild does with their greens where it was kind of protected. You couldn't just throw that low shot that would skip and slide right up to it. You had to get it high enough to get it up there. But then when you get it high, then you run into the case of maybe going long. And I think we really need more greens like that, that are protected in that way. And if you don't get to it, you're putting for a 45, 50 footer instead. So, yeah. So okay. you we'll, just, well, well, hold on. I'm going to pass it over to Nick yeah. for Descure, but I, I want to say, I want to get Maple Hill out of the way. I want to get Fox run out of the way. I feel like those are both excellent courses. I left them off. I tried to pick something a little bit more obscura. I mean, Descure, mm-hmm. whatever I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, because, Nick, you said there was an announcement. Is that true? There's going to be something from Discira? Yeah. So I, I'm going to say that really quick. I just want to end it kind of on this really okay. quick. UDISC put out the top five courses in every state, right? I know Ma- Massachusetts, theirs came out, and Maple Hill got voted number one, which I think absolutely incredible. That's amazing. My one question is, why does Maple Hill get voted number one? Is it because of the gold layout, or is it because of the five different layouts that they have there? And then it allows it to be literally 
the greatest spot to play disc golf in the sense if you want to play 300 foot 320 foot holes and in you play the reds layout if you want it a little bit more challenging with a couple water shots you play white if you want a little more challenging than that you play blues then diamonds then golds like what is it is it literally just about the golds layout or just because the property in and of itself is phenomenal pro shop food stuff like that i've had this so, conversation recently with someone I think it was Mizzou Tigers out here because I was, <laughs> I drove them around a little bit instead of making them get an Uber. I was like, I'll bring you over across town. Nice. And so we started talking because they actually threw up Eagles Crossing. And I said, oh, I've got a friend named Evan who would like to talk about this. Uh, everyone <laughs> has their own opinions on it. I got some really cool insight into the owner of that course, though. I'll tell you some of that maybe off air. Uh, something about he owned the ruby red slippers from the Wizard of Oz and sold that off. And that's where he got a lot of his money. Wow. So interesting. Anyways, there's more than that that I heard that I think would be interesting to talk nice. about. But uh, some are saying that's going to be the nicest course. And I started saying, well, what makes a course? And I said, it's without any reservation. Steve Dodge agrees. Every uh, I can't speak for him, but I've heard out of his mouth. Uh, yeah, the nostalgia of Maple Hill is a very large part of why the rating is what it is. Uh, mm -hmm. It used to be an NT conclusion event for many years. Um, it has the history of longevity of players going out there and traveling to play the msdgc i mean back there's just so much that goes into that property that when people walk yeah. up it definitely gives them that extra tick or two above so even if the venue itself the actual upkeep the look the appearance of every single detail isn't perfect it's going to get that nod and i think that's where it's at right now because courses that are coming in and spending two million dollars to put in a venue are going to have a better facility and maybe greens. I mean, look at look at Eagles Crossing. Whether you like it or not, the course design, look at the way they design on the water edges, all of those features and just creating the course. So I, I think, Nick, to answer yeah. your question, there's a lot that goes into it. I don't think it's just the yeah. gold layout. I, I don't think gold. that's like, the answer. One, one of my favorite things to do going to Maple Hill, if I only have a little bit of time to play, is actually just do putter only rounds on reds. Like, it's phenomenal the fact that they have that as an option to Simon go and just play quick round. Exactly. It's it's amazing. I've always loved the white layout too. That's always yeah. been one of my favorite layouts to play with friends. But anyways. And I mean, I, I could go on a tangent on this for hours, but um <laughs> the when, after show. Whenever I talk to people about getting into disc golf and we're talking about what courses to play, what are the best courses to bring a new friend that's checking out this sport, I always say Maple Hill. One, you get to see how great a disc golf property can be that's part of it but really the main reason is reds is such a fabulous layout mm -hmm. and getting the most yes. out of players it mm -hmm. it thinks about what that style of player can throw and when you play it you still feel like you're playing maple hill you're not you know throwing 350 feet over water but you're playing the same holes that you know paul Macbeth, ricky wasaki page pierce are playing and it doesn't mm -hmm. it, it feels like you're playing that hole even if you're playing a different layout and it doesn't also it red layout is meant for the red player as in it's not just you walk up to a hole you walk 200 feet you tee off to a pin that's 200 feet short it's you take in different lines i mean one of my favorite holes is 15 which is is maybe getting too long yeah. but it's like crisscrossing fairways that each kind of have their own fairway even though it's crisscrossing in this grid of trees yeah. and the red one is a lot wider than the gold you like see the red you walk yeah. by that then you walk to whites which is a little bit shorter then you walk to golds and it's like crazy tight line even longer mm -hmm. it's so cool and it's just it's designed so well um where other courses are just kind of one layout and then they might move up a tee i want to defer yeah. this conversation to terry he's been to more courses than any of us probably ever will <laughs> yeah. be 
Um, what do you think? I mean, Maple Hill's up there, and we're not specifically talking about Maple Hill, but Nick brought that question up. I mean, how do you think it factors into the conversation for good ports? Yeah, I mean, of, of course, I feel like you guys have all touched on the various components of it, the the history that's been created there. But then when you have, you know, it's kind of a self-propelling uh, snowball in a sense, too. Yeah. When you have players like Paige Pierce and and Adam Hammes, Adam Hammes, and just literally Favorite almost course. every player, yeah. whenever they say, hey, I come to Maple Hill I come to compete at this event. I love the course. I love the layout. And I love the atmosphere. That's so much of what Steve and his crew right. have created for all of these years. I mean, I I came in the days where not quite as early as the MSDGC, but I was here when. With your flip camera. Yeah. I remember. And, and, and honestly, the golf was almost secondary to the tournament at one point because there was an accuracy competition. There was a putting competition. There was ping pong, which turned into sting pong of people just whacking, <laughs> you know, balls at each other. Nice. Um, all of those things that were part of the event that the pie eating contest, this overall spirit award, there's so many things that that place has embodied. And that was the culture in which Steve developed from day one and the rest of the people here. So that, you know, so that gets talked about. You're right. And then it carries over and then somebody hears it and then they just kind of reference it. So, right. yeah, is it as polished as maybe some of the other courses in some capacity? No, it might not be. But it, it's so much more than just that. And then they, it's a course yeah. they see every year on camera. True. And it's it, what's really I never thought about that impact until many years later of when people say, oh, I've only seen this course. I need to get there. I need to mm -hmm. play it. Oh, I played it. It's way tougher than I thought it was to clear <laughs> the water on hole 14. And those are all reasons why it continues to, you know, just kind of blossom a, a, as it is into even more. So yeah. in this case, it's it's we all in this room and, and uh, Matt and Nick, uh, sorry, we everybody agrees that it's this incredible atmosphere. And mm -hmm. it's only getting better and bigger, you know, every single year, bigger and better. So that's all of our answers, Nick. So <laughs> yeah. What's yeah, your, there we go. What's your announcement so, for Deskira? So if you, anyone listening, watching, whatever, if you go on DeskiraTG.com and you want to pick up some apparel, use the code Nick and Matt, 10% off for you. Oh, so, nice. DeskiraTG.com. That's an exclusive even for me. It is. Now, so my buddies just, uh, they said it, they set everything up just early on. They're actually over there working right now, listening to the show, and they wow. set up the code to make sure that for the Deskira discussions, on. we'd be able to announce that. So DeskiraDG.com, lifestyle apparel, also UPF rated gear for the sun protection. It's all there. We have some sweet hats as well. Test Tournament directors, if code. you're looking for wholesale stuff, check it out. DeskiraDG.com, code Nick and Matt. 10% off. Test out that code, people. Be the first. That's uh, exciting news. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Nick Discura. Uh, I am looking forward to wearing my first. I'm not ordering it because Nick's coming up soon. I'm hoping. Exactly. I'm hoping. Nick, I'm going to say this in front of everybody. I'm hoping you find something my size, my color. <laughs> uh, you know, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows right, another we'll guy. May and we might be able to pull some strings. May 27th, everybody. Terry, you coming back for this? The Nick and Matt show hangout? We're going to a course and playing maybe next week. Maybe. No. All right. We'll see. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Keep those super chats rolling, people. That's how we do yeah, it. We've made, we've made enough to uh, pay for seven gallons of gas for you. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we've come to this point in the show, Terry. We really, I, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I really enjoyed it. I think the, the chat really enjoyed it. And I believe 
and comment if you agree you liked having him on the Nick and Matt show and uh if we get enough of that we can just pipe him in every now and then he can do back-to-back shows Monday night uh Terry you've been doing Smashbox a long time you're up into 400 episodes now is that correct uh, yeah what did we just did we just top the the 400th a few days ago your last week or two weeks <sighs> ago something like that yeah it's 400 it's, legendary it's, it's been a long it certainly has been a very very long road uh dating back to are you describing your marriage no, yeah that, <laughs> too long <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> i feel like people say that i'm like i'm describing something You're like are you yeah, talking yeah. about your marriage i always thought that was funny was Anyways, secretly, this yeah. is far more consistent our, uh, <laughs> very yeah, very long. so uh yeah it's uh <laughs> no we, Johnny we appreciate v, it very very long <laughs> yes Jeez. yes well that's Somehow cool and i i will say this uh we're obviously fr- oh, i think we're fr- i say we're obviously that's a nick and matt show term mm. we say obviously oh okay when we get nervous Keep the jerky rolling yeah, when we get nervous we'll we're friends and uh what you do at smashbox we weren't stupid when we lined you up as the first guest because we said that's gonna get us the views baby and then we had simon on after you to confirm that oh. but it worked so and i think you were on the same time as simon we had this big echo reverb thing going on so it's kind of like that was a long time ago we had for us. 50 viewers yeah yeah, yeah. 10 was, episodes out a from way. 100 10 episodes yeah. out from 100 we want to thank you for coming yeah. here uh, to be in studio you probably had a lot of other things you can do you got an early flight in the morning appreciate it nick or mm-hmm. evan you have any final words all right uh terry any final words no i just want to say thank you guys you guys are killing it it's awesome you know we've seen so many different sets of media and not just a live podcast that uh, you know, people are doing, they're doing a fully post-produced audio only podcast. There's just been so many things that have come about throughout mm-hmm. all the years and it's awesome to see it all. I, I feel like there is truly a, a, a niche for everyone and you can decide whether it's you like the players or the people or the commentators or the content, whatever it might be. We have now so much diversity and there's so many opportunities out there. And I would certainly say that to everyone else that's out there and thinking wow there's just really not a podcast or a show that discusses blank do it guess what that's your open invitation to do it yourself and it's never been easier it's a big leap of faith and some commitment and you might only have nine viewers for the first nine months it doesn't matter Uh, i just Mm -hmm. i fully encourage everybody there's so many unique personalities within our sport that I love it when I see people take on a very specific role or task and then uh, go and excel at it. It's absolutely awesome to see. So I just yeah. got to say again, thank you guys for having. Of course, you know, Tuesday nights we have our Smash Box TV podcast. If you're listening live, it's tomorrow. <laughs> yes. If you're listening tomorrow, yeah. it's today. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> Tuesday. Uh, and I keep threatening that I'm going to do some other forms of podcasts. I really enjoy interviewing people. Um, yeah. If I'm on alone, I just ramble for hours. So I, I need to be concise and I don't and know anything people. about that. <laughs> so um, look for one of those maybe to start up someday. I got to figure out the cool. exact format that I want of it. But keep killing it, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. And thanks to all the viewers out there that yeah. uh, that tuned yeah. in and watched and or listened uh, in the post production. Yeah. They say flattery is the greatest uh, source. Or no, they imitation is we the greatest source of flattery. Up. There you yeah. go. Imitation is yeah. the greatest source of flattery. And we weren't stupid when we were imitating Smashbox. I mean, we took what was good, and then we took what you suggested, as in like saying, take what you want that you think might be missing and go for it. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, go check out Smashbox, everybody. It's a show that I listen to. You should as well. Tuesday evenings, usually. Follow their social media. Terry's on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, Nick, we've made it to that point in the show. 
close it out thank you everybody yeah thank you everybody for tuning in tonight thank you for being active in the chat we want to thank terry for coming in gannon for also coming in don't forget to step into the smash box tomorrow night for their live show don't forget to like subscribe give us a comment check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms and all that jazz tell someone you love them this week we'll catch you in the next one that's right peace out nick you're awesome terry you're awesome evan you're awesome see you out there the nick and matt show a disc golf podcast designed for you the disc golfer find the nick and matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on youtube